Foy, you got anything for the opening? Hello, everyone, and welcome to our discussion of the top 220 horror movies of 2020. For the next 17 and a half hours, we will discuss our list in tremendous detail. But first, the honorable mention. Hey, all you Shark Week fans out there. Welcome back. Those sharks have been altered, engineered. They're not sharks. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? For all of you out there who don't know me, get ready. We're back. Let's go, Cole. Oh, you okay? You look like you've seen a gorgeous black ghost. He said that wherever I went, he would find me. Walk right up to me. And I wouldn't be able to see him. Cue the creepy dude in the mask. The Blissfield Butcher strikes again. Great. We're gonna get killed by murder party. There's been a killing spree. You gotta come here right now. You actually believed we were hunting human beings for sport, but you are. Water monster. I know you're close. Is it scared? I know fear when I see it. What was that? It's really tough. Ma'am, are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. I don't think you really know what a bad day is. But you're gonna find out. Take it easy with my cat! You kill my cat, I'll blow your head off. Is that a samurai sword? You're lucky we weren't monsters. We were yelling like a girl. Is Dylan home? Dylan, Dylan. Yeah, you have a son. Dylan? I don't have a son. Caitlin exploded. What? Like, like a bomb? No, like a... What? Kids are literally blowing up. It's in the static, it's in the moisture. It's in here, it's out there. That thing from the meteorite changes everything around it. It's just a color. She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought Tom was coming into the house. You take pictures? I do. See a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Excuse me, preacher. You got time for a sinner. Please make your acquaintance. I'm called Guero, and this rough one here is my brother Hansel. What do you do if you see something? Don't run. This isn't a normal wolf. It's just a hungry wolf looking for an easy meal. Come around town telling people there's a big bad wolf trying to blow our house down. John, they're saying there's a big bear, big jaw. No, it's a man. When do I get to be right about something? It'll be over soon, I promise. That is the most low energy, like not so pithy opening that you have ever done, Foy. Dude, I'm I'm, recover- I'm recovering from COVID for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of laying in bed and just chilling out while it's 32 degrees here in Mississippi. Oh, good God! I heard it was snowing in Texas. I just don't understand. All right, it's now snowing, it's, it's snowing in parts of Mississippi. <laughs> oh. We thought 2021 was going to be better. It is. We got to buckle up. (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, to me, 2021 doesn't really even begin until like summer. You know, I'm just going to hold off until then. I get a vaccine (laughs) in me. You know, the moment I can go back to a movie theater and watch a film, then the year will begin. Uh, As as it is right now, I saw somebody describe this year so far as being 2020.5, and I can't really argue with that. (laughs) Yes, seriously. It's a fair assessment. It dawned on me that it's like, you know, once I'm over this, I got about a three-month window where I can go to the movies and like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) I envy you for that, at least. Um, I gave such serious consideration to, there was a, there's a movie theater down my street 
and you can rent the auditorium for a hundred bucks and watch, you know, whatever movie you want. And over winter break, I was literally, it, it really, really is chaffing me that I, I couldn't see the new Paul W.S. Anderson movie in the theaters. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I gave it so much thought. My wife talked me out of it, but, uh, oh man, I was, because, I was because she said, because she said, if you spend a hundred dollars on a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, we're divorcing. That's and I said, I said, I own 15 copies of the Resident Evil franchise. I've already spent way more than a hundred dollars on Paul W.S. Anderson movies, but and I, yeah. I would, I would drop a hundred bucks on a Paul W.S. Anderson. Hey, come on. He was working with Mila again. It was a monster movie. It was going to be on the big screen. I'm honestly, I, I think all of those movies, everyone is freaking out about them going to VOD straight away. You know, for the movies that have kind of like those smaller ingrained fan bases, why can't they do like a Fathom Events thing where it's like, hey, all these movies that you missed in 2020, we're bringing them back one night only. You know, if you want to see Monster Hunter on the big screen, it's going to cost you 15 bucks, but come on out and see it on, you know, see it on a a 40 foot screen. I would do that. I I would, you know, there are plenty of movies that, uh, you know, I caught VOD only this year that I wish I could have seen on the big screen. I would I would hate hey, to see hey, Wonder hey. Woman 1984 on a big screen. Damn it, I'm one of the few, probably. Uh, me are. and you, brother. Me and you, yeah. right? and you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm proud. I could. I'll talk about Wonder Woman 1984 for three hours. Hey, oh, you know what? Like Last it. year, the guy, who thinks, <laughs> the guy who thinks Batman versus Superman is great, and the guy who thinks Superman Returns is perfect, thought Wonder Woman 84 was dandy. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, do you think anybody out there actually paid a hundred dollars to rent out a theater just to watch the empty man? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that one. I want, I want to see the empty man. I don't even know what the empty man is. Two hours and tw- I think it's, I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes for some reason. Yeah. But I've read like a couple, a couple of my friends that, that I, that have good taste in movies have now have, have separately like that don't know each other. Um, I think it's out next week. I think they're getting like like pre screeners or whatever. Because all of a sudden, I get these people going, "Oh, it's it's actually really surprising." One of my friends said it was like if David Fincher made a creepy pasta, and I was like, "Well, I've got oh. to see this." Well, shit. All right, yeah, I'll watch that movie. Uh, I, I I do think it's worth noting think, that uh, this time last year, when we were going the oh, what? Also, do you think anybody paid a hundred dollars for Come Play? I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't think anyone paid a hundred dollars for it. <laughs> well, come play. Maybe four dollars. That was another horror movie that came out in October uh, in theaters. It was about the the kid with the imaginary friend. You know, there were actually- so many horror movies that came out last year. I, I I feel like my list is going to wind up kind of wanting simply because I didn't see half the damn movies that came out last year, which is saying something considering I watched a hell of a lot of stuff last year. I had no other choice but to watch stuff. And uh, I don't know. People are mentioning horror movies even now that I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about that one. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that one existed. I, I don't have 10 films and I'm not I'm not going to rank them. So I'm just going to because I figure your lists and everybody else's lists probably there's probably some intersection. So I'm just going to chime in. And, you know, if if as we're going along, if things aren't um, haven't been covered from my end, like that's when I'll throw in some of my picks. But other than that, that's the way I'm going to do it. I, and I said I don't have 10. So. Fair enough. Okay, you know what? We are about six minutes in. I'm going to go ahead and do something uh, remotely resembling like an intro. It occurs to me that I haven't really done one. We haven't really done introductions all around yet, so here goes. <clears throat> you know, before I do that, I am going to say one thing. This time last year, we were talking 
about the Justice League Snyder cut and trying to will it into existence. I think Feeney wanted it more than any oh, yeah. of us, but I'm, I'm happy to say it. And now it actually exists. So I would like to think that the uh, energy that Feeney put out into the world in some manner at least led to us getting that on HBO Max. Uh, you might have overshot a little bit, given that it, it's coming out in, what, 4 by 3 which I just don't understand that choice. But, you know, whatever. I'm going to watch you it. You know what? I, there's a lot of things about the choice that I don't understand, but it is, at this point, people uh, like to say that Zack Snyder has gone so far up his ass that may or may not be true. It's not for me to say. I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. So to me, I love, I just love any time an auteur gets to do their thing and be an auteur. So I I personally, I'm thinking about what like what a four by three movie is going to look like on my projector. And I'm like, <laughs> eh, I don't, I don't love it. But, um, <laughs> but I, I'm like, you know what? You go be you go be you, Zack Snyder. I'm happy that you got the opportunity to do whatever in your mind this was going to be. I'm happy that we get to see what what it was going to be in your mind. Like, and and um, that's good enough for me. Fair enough. And with that, <clears throat> hello and welcome back to Scream Addicts. At last, we have come to our annual show where my Matt. Uh, uh, God, mm. I completely screwed that. You know, I'm leaving all this in. It doesn't matter. Crazy thing is, I have a drinking podcast. Not even drinking right now, and yet I can still flub an intro that badly. Let's try. Oh, one I'm more drinking. <clears throat> I, I might get to that point very soon. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome back to Scream Addicts. At last, we have come to our annual show where Matt Feeney, Scott Foy, and myself run through our top ten lists, or close enough to our top ten lists. Might not even be a top ten list. It's a list of movies that we will be covering, which we feel were the very best films that the horror genre had to offer. This year, we will be joined by my Hammer Pub co-host, Paul Farrell. Guys, we survived 2020. How the hell is everyone? How's everybody doing? And how... Oh, uh, well, okay, wait a second. Let's take a moment here. Guys, introductions all around. Feeney, Foy, do you guys know Paul? Who? No. How are you doing, Paul? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, if not, then uh, Feeney, Foy, meet Paul. Paul, meet Feeney Hi. and Foy. Paul, Hello. I think your name, your name, your name seems vaguely familiar, like, like, it, like it might have been, uh, like we, we, like, like I've seen you on Twitter or something. Yeah, we've had, um, probably like brief interactions on Twitter, uh, um, yeah, I thought you. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. I thought yeah, so. we, we like here and there, and I've been a, I've been a fan of. It's weird to be on the end of year special with with you guys since I've listened to it every year. So it's kind of odd to be, uh, to be actually here speaking with you. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of uh, of of your guys's chatter uh, that you do every year, and uh, yeah, I've I follow you on Twitter. Someone has and, to be. Well, you know, you know, I. I <laughs> Someone it's, it's, good to, so, it's good so to have Feeny, you here, man. Feeny, <laughs> Thanks, you, man. I appreciate you, it. You would know Paul if you continue to listen to Scream Addicts and the current Hammer Pub podcast that we're throwing out there in the world. Are you, are you telling me that you're not a listener anymore, sir? That This, this me, wounds me. Let me tell you about 2020, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I have been I have been at home with two children since <laughs> since March by myself because my wife is my wife never shut down my wife has had to go to work uh mostly um so she's not here most of the day so um yeah you know what it doesn't afford me much podcast time and and, uh and i'll just leave it at that that's only fair uh you know it is funny another thing that i recall from the last conversation we had a year ago on the uh Oh, the 2019 best of list. Uh, I, I think at a certain point in that podcast, I said that I was actually going to stop drinking. And over the course of the last year, I started a drinking podcast. 
So if that tells you how 2020 has been going for me. Um, no, you just went the complete opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun. It's been fun. So, uh, but yeah, rock on. Now that we got instead that out of the way, this instead is of admitting you had a problem, you decided to just monetize it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one way of handling it for sure. That is that is actually not a bad way to handle. It. Might as well make it work for me, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, now this is the part of the show, you know, in the first ten minutes where we promise. That we're not going to do an oversized three and a half hour long show. That's probably never going to happen. There's no way, none at all. But uh, I don't know. Tell you what, let's go ahead and just dive right in. Uh, Feeney, I know you said you don't really have a list per se. Foy, I know that you didn't really care to either. Paul, how are you looking? Am I the only guy who's doing kind of like a countdown here? What's uh, what, what do you got? Well, uh, I do have a list. Uh, so I've got a, a top 10 that I kind of narrowed down. It was tough for me this year, actually. I, I, I saw a lot and there were, I felt it was a pretty strong year for horror. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really was. There were some, uh, again, I feel like I haven't seen half of it, but what I did see, I thought was, uh, pretty incredible. It, it was tough to narrow down to 10 certainly, but, uh, tell you what, let's go ahead and jump right in guys. Who wants to go first? Why don't you list list maniacs? Go kick it off. All right, Paul, over to you. What's your number 10? Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. So my number 10 is the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, so I don't know. Did, <laughs> did any of y'all see this one? Uh, I, I turned it off. I turned it off after 30 minutes. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> Starting strong. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll kind of give my spiel and then, yeah, I'll be brief. Um, so this year I leaned pretty heavily into movies that I just kind of noticed at the end were sort of a little quirkier, maybe a little more on the fun side. Um, what I really liked about this movie, um, and I don't want to give it totally away, but, and <laughs> given that you turned it off early, I actually really liked where it all went. Um, well, I, so, I know how it ends. I, I fast forward okay. to the end. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, uh, I thought the ending kind of, brought it together i liked how odd it was um i liked sort of this the comedy mixed with the sort of drama of the of the protagonist and his addiction and what he was going through and how he was kind of self-destructing i liked the quirkiness of a town that was investigating murders that was very clearly being committed by a werewolf and yet no one really wanted to admit it was a werewolf um and then of course the narrative kind of leans into uh, that sort of ridiculous premise. Um, so, and then I found the last uh, 15 to 20 minutes to be surprisingly effective in a more exciting way, which I didn't expect out of a movie as kind of comical as the one I had just watched. So for me, it was just, uh, it's a good number 10. It's, it's a fun movie that I don't think broke any molds, but I had a good time watching. Yeah, I, I really dug the movie, too. Okay, so, Foy, you only... You watched 30 minutes and the last part of it. Feeney, did you get to see it? I did not. I wanted to it know is. why Foy turned it off. I'll tell you why, because it, I didn't think it was it worked as a comedy or a horror film. <laughs> That's just... He's, I, I, he, he, Foy he, is he, taking no prisoners That's on fine. this episode. <laughs> I expect it. I've listened to these before, so I'm, I'm going in prepared. Oh, this <laughs> interests me... You want, to, you, wait, you want to know what kind of take-no-prisoners attitude I have? Here's my thoughts. I think this was a lousy year for movies and horror in general. 
I think there's a whole lot of horror movies that came out this year that are just wildly overrated by people who were starved for anything to watch. Gotcha. Shit. Real quick, real quick. Is anybody going to put Blood Quantum on their list? Because, boy, do I have a rant for that one. I never saw it. It is not on my list. <laughs> it's not I on my list, but I... It was a decent movie, but I have seen so many people rate that movie as like, oh my god, it's so awesome. And it's like, it's just another Romero wannabe. It follows the exact formula. With like the first 20 minutes of that movie, it feels like, okay, they're doing something new and interesting with it, with this whole, like, the angle of like having the indigenous people and how they're on this uh, reserve. And they actually, like, their blood might make them immune to the zombie apocalypse. And then it just turns into every Romero formula you've ever seen, right down to the fact that the ending has people running for a boat. And yet, everyone's going crazy about this movie. And I'm like, no, it's not that good. All right, what's your number What's your number 10, Jinx? I'm, I'm moving us along. <laughs> you know, it's funny, listening to last year's episode, I, I don't think I appreciated it when we recorded, but listening to it, uh, I was like, oh my god, Feeney really kept this going. He just kept it moving along. So, uh, <laughs> well done. I guess uh, that's my thing. Then you stopped to comment on it. <laughs> yep. um, okay, my number 10 is Empedagore. It was a uh, Shutter exclusive directed by... What the fuck by... is that? You haven't seen Empedagore? No, I haven't even heard of it. Oh, Feeney, it's very good. Uh, it, oh, shit. Foy, do you have anything to say about this? You gonna you gonna stab this or? Oh, he's he's is he here? I'm here. Oh, I, I I have just, I don't know about anything about this one. Okay, thank God. Um, Impedigor is a Shutter exclusive. It was directed by Jaco Anwar, I believe. I'm probably masquering his name, but he's the filmmaker who gave us the uh, 2017 Satan Slaves, which is really fantastic and also available on Shutter. Um. I'm going to keep it brief, The especially since you guys haven't seen it. I really wish you would. I'll just say that the opening is maybe one of the uh, more intense sequences I've seen in a film in a very long time. Um, I just I just loved watching the journey of this lead character um, as she sort of discovers uh, who she is and what she means to this creepy little village that she's drawn to. I'm trying to dance around spoilers. It has some really solid performances. It's creepy as hell. It is genuinely shocking at times. And uh, I don't know, just overall, I really adored this uh, this kind of little Indonesian folk horror story that it told. And I can't wait to see what the director does next. I know I'm not telling a whole hell of a lot about the movie, but that's by design. I, I Especially since you guys haven't seen it, just uh, try and check it out without watching a trailer or trying to get too much run for you because it is really fantastic. That's on Shudder? Yes, yeah. It came out, I want to say, in the summer. It's high on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. But I loved uh, Satan's Slaves. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. So, I don't know, Feeney, Foy, who wants to go first? Do you guys have a movie you want to throw out, or uh, are we moving on to number nine? Move on to number nine. I've got seven on my li- on my <laughs> unofficial list. So I, I, I just made a list of like all the horror movies I've seen in the past year that I can even think of. So I'll just randomly mention a movie and discuss it real quick. So uh, yeah, number twenty-six uh, on my list is uh, uh, Deep Blue Sea Three. Which, uh, <laughs> yes, better than better than Deep Blue Sea Two, which it have to be. 
yeah, it, it's it's still completely forgettable. Although it does have one truly great scene at the end. The way they kill the shark is actually pretty damn spectacular. But uh, other than that, yeah, you can pretty much just skip it. You know, is, I bought that anything, thing. Is there is there anything more on brand than Foy bringing up Deep Blue Sea Three <laughs> on this podcast? <laughs> You know, I will say I love the original movie. Um, I absolutely despised the sequel. Um, I bought Deep Blue Sea the day that it came out, and I still haven't watched it because I heard that it somehow ties into the second film, which means that I'm going to have to do like a franchise rewatch. I got no problem rewatching the first movie. I love it. But the prospect of having to sit through part two again, because I don't remember a damn thing about it, just my overall feelings on it, just to get the number three, it that's kind of put me off, so... There is absolutely nothing in Deep Blue Sea 3 that requires a franchise rewatch of either of the first two films. <laughs> really? I read that. That doesn't was. surprise me. <laughs> that needs to be punched in the dick. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's the most generic thing possible. Hey, we've created some genetically engineered super sharks. Uh-oh, they're loose. People are getting killed. Hey, you know what? We need to cover up what we did. Let's start killing some other people ourselves. Oh, shit. There's still sharks trying to kill us all. That's the movie. <laughs> Great. Now I feel like I've already seen it. You Spoilers. have. <laughs> I would just like to say that of the first Deep Blue Sea, that Rennie Harlan is a, is a prince. Oh, yeah. And that's, a, that's all I have to say. I love him. He doesn't get nearly the respect that he deserves. He doesn't. People are really mean about Rennie Harlan, and he is literally a a great genre director. What the fuck is it with the guys who straddle that line between not just doing action and horror, but also kind of B-movies and larger Hollywood blockbusters? It seems like when they're, they're kind of perched in that area, it seems like it's so much easier for the mainstream and genre fans to shit on them. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of Rennie Harlan. I'm thinking of Paul W.S. Anderson. I'm thinking of guys like that who put out really solid stuff and yet continually take hell for their output. I don't know. I just know that I, I have I have thoroughly enjoyed so much of Rennie. You know, he, has, he would probably be honest and say, hey, I don't hit it out of the park every time. But um, I've enjoyed so much of his stuff that it's just, you know, I, I love him. I, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I prefer his Exorcist to Schrader's. Um, yeah, it's so tangled. It's hard. It's like that. I think they both have some stuff that is really good, and it's just it's such a hard conversation to have for me because it's like, yeah, I can see why people would prefer one or the other, and I, I had no opinion. It was just kind of like really like parts of the beginning, really like parts of Dominion. I think the concept of Dominion is brilliant. Don't don't think it quite lives up to the concept, but yeah. Nice. Uh, right. Or Paul, Paul number Paul's number nine. We need Paul's number, number nine. nine. Number nine. Okay. I'm moving on. Uh, let's see if I can get one that wasn't turned off early this time around. Uh, I went with After Midnight. Oh, I turned that off. Oh, okay. No, sweet. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, man, no, I am two for two. Uh, so After Midnight. <laughs> did, did anybody see this one? I did not. Okay. I don't um, know what it is. <laughs> okay. I feel so old so... and out of touch. No, you're fine. This one's um. So this one was directed by Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella, who did the Battery. Did you, did you guys ever oh, see that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love the Battery. Um, big fan of that movie. This was their. This is well. They technically followed that up with Tex Montana Will Survive, which was sort of a Kickstarter movie. Um, and then this was their new feature. It premiered at uh, Fantastic Fest uh, 
in 2019 and I was lucky enough to uh, be there and see it in a theater, which this was a movie that really didn't get to play theaters very much. Um, but starring Jeremy Gardner and uh, Bria Grant is in it as the other main character. And it's kind of like a, a mashup between a creature feature and like a romance film. So it's it, it does what they do really well. It's a low budget movie. It's a lot of t- talking, but it feels bigger um, and it feels like there's a lot of scope there. Um, and there's a sort of a creeping dread um, that's very effective. It actually amounts to something really special in the end. Um, there's a lot of odd comedy mixed in, you know, it, it kind of dances across multiple genres, but at its heart, it's definitely a horror film. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to really spoil it or go too deep. Cause I think this is one that not a lot of people saw that I'd like more people to check out. So hopefully it just kind of gets it on their radar, but it's, yeah, it's a very well-made movie. It's short. I love sub 90 minute movies these days. So it's like 83 minutes. So I think it's like a perfect bite-sized film. Um, and, and for, there you go. See, and, uh, yeah. And for anybody that's region free, uh, arrow put out a really nice Blu-ray of it, uh, in the UK, um, over oh, here, cool. you can get it on VOD really easily, but if you're a collector and you like, you know, what arrow does, uh, they put that out and actually the arrow Blu-ray includes, uh, the battery. So you get both films for the price of one. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, definitely I worth checking like out. Arrow does. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of their stuff. So, yeah, uh, After Midnight. You guys, I, I, I want to get region free. Can you guys recommend the player to me? I mean, it's been years. I put it off. I should have done it by now, but I don't know where to leap in at. So I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up offline. I've got some some, uh, some yeah. links to some stuff. Rock on. I, I, I fought it for so long, and you know what finally uh, toppled me? You know why I have to buy a region-free player? Because I spent about $100 on that damned Region B I Know What You Did Last Summer trilogy box set. <laughs> that's that's what did it. Out of all of the movies, nice. that's what did it. So God bless, God bless you for that. You had to get I'll Always Know, didn't you? I know. I love that you had to have that one. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. They could have kept it at the first two, but I, I, I appreciate the fact that they, 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 they sort of spoke to the completist in me who would sure. twitch a little bit. It, I, I own the damn movie on DVD. So I'm, I've I'm, never seen that one, so I can't, I can't awful. speak. It is, it is a special kind of terrible. It is yeah. borderline unwatchable. Uh, of course, I it's felt that way, but I still know for the longest time, and uh, I've come around on that one. So it's not great, and it, it turns the fisherman into a zombie. So it's whatever. Ooh. If that excites you, then, then that. You know. <laughs> yeah, whose soul is linked to the hook that somehow makes its way to like fucking Colorado or something? It, it, <laughs> it's bad. It is very bad. I rewatched right. both of those oh. movies um, this year, and I, I had a blast. I love the first one. I have. I have great memories of it. I think it's it's a really fun slasher revival. Um, have a lot of fun personal memories of opening night, and the second one, um, I just thought was really fun. It plays like yeah. a junky, you know, kind of crass slasher movie that sort of embraces its ridiculousness, and yeah. it doesn't hit it out of the park. It's not as good as the first one, but I I had a really good time when I watched it. This year, me and my wife were kind of just giggling through the whole thing in a good way and in a really loving way. And and we both kind of like turned to each other when it was over and we both had the same memories of it being disappointing. And we were both kind of like, that was fun. We were like, yeah. So, I don't know. That's why I always revisit movies. You know, you never know how things kind of can, how things can be recontextualized years later. 
I think nostalgia the only thing I, plays a big part thing, in it. The only thing know? I got to say about I still know what you did last summer is like most people still haven't noticed it has almost the same plot as Jaws the Revenge. Yes. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, it kind of does. That's interesting. I've never yeah. thought about that. Who is I still knows Michael Caine? Except the shark isn't isn't uh, running a fraudulent radio contest to get Lorraine <laughs> to the to the island. It's Rio. Oh God, there's no there's no scene in Jaws of Revenge with uh, oh God Benson. You get it? Well, just remember, you get it, Benson. Benson. Yeah, yeah. That's Benson. Yeah, just remember the the original script for Jaws: The Revenge had voodoo behind the whole thing and Jamaican gangsters. Sort of, the, and the in the novelization has all of that intact, so you could read yeah. what the original intent was, and it was glorious. I never <laughs> had, but I need to. That would have been a better film. Much. Better. Oh, it's a great, it's a great novelization. It is, it is one of the essential novelizations because it's, it's literally. I mean, you're not talking about oh, it's it's kind of different here and kind of different there. I mean, it's it's literally. Um, an entire section of the movie excised and it's really fascinating it's so hokey but it's it's great because the the thing too is the writer of the novels hank Searles, was a fucking great author so i mean like it's not just like a schlocky turned it out in a in a in three days novelization either i mean it's like really good writing so it's just it's kind of a really fascinating situation to to read a really good writer tackles something that is so just plainly absurd. Um, the the shark being controlled by the 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 voodoo doctor whose name is Papa Jacques um, <laughs> is offended. I forget why he's offended by Mike Brody's presence in Jamaica, and they have some kind of run in at the beginning. And I forget exactly what ends up what why it happens but he ends up putting the curse on the brody family and then that's what brings the shark and then and but then beyond the voodoo there's also the michael kane character hoagie um is is like an undercover federal agent or something and there's a whole <laughs> there's a whole miami vice subplot that that factors into it that culminates in a shootout in um in a nightclub and then they have for some reason they have the drug dealer oh no they have the voodoo priest in the plane with them at the end when they're going to rescue mrs brody in the ship and the 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 voodoo witch doctor ends up i think getting thrown out of the plane like hoagie or uh no what's his name the mario van peebles character i think throws him out of the plane and he gets eaten and I forget it's been it's been a few years now. I wrote it up. It's it's if anybody's curious, like I wrote a review of it. It's on my site, um, mattserafini dot com. Um, it's up there. It's, it should be on the first or second page. Um, but um, it's it's one of the most interesting novelizations you can read, just for for how much content is in it that was cut out of it, and you're just kind of imagining, wow, this would have been a wild movie, and it would have been an epic movie too. It would have been a long movie. I need to look you hear up. about all that, and you hear about all that, and then you realize, like the movie, they, they they looked at the script and said, "Eh, you know what? I got a better idea." Um, they, they go down to like the Caribbean, and, and a shark follows them and tries to eat them. That's the yeah. movie. <laughs> you ever heard of Richard Jenny's comedy? To Eighty bit? pages. No, no. You never heard Richard Jenny's bit about Jaws four? 
it's uh it's it's genius if you get the chance definitely look it up it is uh you'll be crying with laughter um i enjoy all things jaws 4 so i will seek it out <laughs> all right my number nine is a movie called spree uh of oh movies. yes okay this, this was good this was going to be much, much, much higher on my list, but I'm happy to talk about it now. <laughs> All right. Directed by, I hope I don't mask his name, Eugene Calderinko, uh, written by he and Gene McHugh, starring Joe Keery. This movie, um, nothing about this movie looked interesting to me. Uh, the, the subject matter, the marketing, the posters and trailer, they all looked really lousy, but... Uh, just for the hell, and Feeney, I think I might have seen you mention something about it online ages ago, it feels like, but uh, I don't know. I ran across it on Amazon Prime. It was a 99-cent rental. I thought, what the hell? And I watched the film, and it knocked me on my ass. I We've all seen movies that try to capture teen voices and be kind of, you know, very much of their time, and to me, it so rarely works and almost never rings true. Here, everyone in this film really feels authentic, and the movie, as a result... It does feel very much like an accurate kind of representation of, you know, the youth today. And it's kind of an accurate takedown of what the younger generations are dealing with and how they're kind of being molded by social media. And I'm not the first person to say this, but it really does feel kind of like a modern updating of both, uh, you know, I was reminded of like American Psycho, certainly, but, you know, definitely Man Bites Dog and... It features such a damn great lead performance by Carrie, who just feels mm-hmm. so real in the movie. Yep. Like, we know, we know it's fucking Steve from Stranger Things, but damn it, if he isn't convincing as hell in this movie. And it, it's just so very smart. It's funny as hell. And most surprisingly, by its end, it's actually genuinely affecting. So overall, I, I just, I, I adored this movie. It, it was probably the biggest surprise from 2020 for me. The biggest surprise, I think, um, I, I I had it, you know, in my arbitrary numbers, I had it at my number two. I I loved this, and I think part part of why I loved it, you already touched on. I like anything that takes down social media, um, because I just think it it is a mess. And look, we're look at look look where we are. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, not just in current events, but just 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 in the way that it, it impacts people negatively, um, and just the way that it puts a new kind of pressure on on everybody but certainly you know younger people to establish an identity and if you don't have an identity if you don't have a following then you're nothing and you're nobody um and just that the the what that that does to you um is what this movie touches on but i think the reason i think it's great is because it's not condescending Right. Like we're all on social media, social media, it's going to evolve. It's going to change. It's not going away. Um, And it's not so it's not like it's not like some boomer waking, wagging their finger at you and telling you that it's all bad. And back in my day, but it's just kind of sort of taking a a real kind of uh, a look at, at the way things are and why they are like they are. Um, and it's doing it with such an authenticity. And I think to me, that was the most important thing is that it really feels like this movie was made by somebody that has at least observed, uh, a, a real lot of the shit online, the things that happen online. And, you know, I want to watch the movie again because what was really killing me about it was when you're watching it and there's the comments that are in the live stream. Mm-hmm. And I could almost like I just wanted to watch it again and just read the comments because they I was in tears reading the comments. The comments are so accurate 
to like just if you've ever gone on like any type of live stream and looked at the comments, it's like, yep, yep, that's what they are. And I love that they took the time to kind of like craft that many comments for the situations that were happening <laughs> in the movie because um, there's so much of it and, and, and there's so much reaction to the things that are going on in the film that it was like it took a tremendous amount of effort to write all of that stuff, I, I would think. Um, and it just does it just it really it's really funny. Um, all the way through and you know Jinx you talked about Joe Keery he's phenomenal I love the way he's kind of giving his performance and then he's also kind of like reacting to his his following at the same time like he always does those like little asides where he'll look at his audience and kind of just give like a quick nod or a knowing smile or whatever and it it really does feel like it it's just you know when you watch these quote influencers online it, it just felt so it it nailed that so perfectly um and it is it's so funny and yeah dare i say by the end it is quite chilling actually um i don't want to spoil the ending but i i think it really sticks to its landing i was worried that it wasn't going to um but it doesn't let anyone off the hook it takes a really kind of like nihilistic worldview of of everybody in the movie and that's what i kind of loved about it and i think that's why it's so good is that it really does kind of just speak to the narcissism of of everybody involved in it and and that's to say everybody like including people like us i mean i think they're the, the degree of narcissism in social media um you know you can't help it to a certain extent and then what happens when 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 it goes beyond that is is i think what spree is kind of commenting on and it's just it's also just one of the most entertaining movies that you could watch this year. It's fantastic and it's on Hulu for for quote free if anybody has Hulu. Uh I can't recommend this movie enough. I adored it. I ordered the Blu-ray right after I watched it. Oh, I didn't even realize it was on Blue. Okay, I'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah. It was like twelve bucks too, so it's not it wasn't like breaking the bank. Boy, Paul, have either of you seen it? No, not yet. Uh, yeah, I saw it. I was a big fan of it too. Um, like I said, it, it, for me, it was a year where I liked a lot of movies. So this was a, it was just one of those ones that just narrowly missed, uh, my list. Um, but I was a big fan of it. Yeah. I bought the blue when it came out. I'd heard a few things about it from friends and everything you guys said is true. So I don't have to really <laughs> expound on that too much. Um, what I will say, I, it, it reminds me a lot of these just screen life movies that have been coming out. Um, obviously it's not as tied to a screen as some of the other ones where it's like staring at a computer screen the whole time, like searching or something, but it gave me the same sense of like capturing the authenticity of modern life by way of how we take in events and how we sort of create relationships. And I think this year it felt particularly resonant given that a lot of us were stuck inside or, you know, trying to maintain relationships by way of screens and how sort of isolating that can feel, even though you have access to all of these different people, it, you still feel very much alone. Um, and I think this movie really captured that, that well, especially with Kiri's performance. Yeah, and he really did. I, I, do you guys remember how old he was meant to be in the film? Wasn't it something like 23 or 24? And yet he, he he's 30. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's. When he was introduced in the movie, he's just like a kid. And I think there was something really interesting that the movie was kind of slyly saying about, you know, I, in in how he gave his performance, you know, just the little ticks and stuff. Yeah, he's a murderer. And yeah, he's very funny. And but there are times that it seems like in the way he's trying to reach his audience, not just the desperation, but 
also his own fandom of it, like the the Bobby Basecamp guy. I think uh, when he yeah. picks up like the 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 neo Nazi guy or the uh, whoever the hell he was, you know, his first guest, and the guy doesn't know who uh, at Bobby Basecamp is, and he has this kind of twelve year old reaction where he's like, "You don't know," like you know, it's just it it, it seemed to be really interesting. This movie was showing this guy who was kind of arrested, you know, uh, developmentally, like 12 years old, as far as how he's able to try and, you know, interact with people. It, it just, it was, again, for as funny as it was, by the end of it, it was also just kind of deeply sad to me in a way. But, I, think uh, arre- I, think, I think arrested, but I think it also just sort of speaks to that idea that um, we all kind of just think that whatever our world is online is the world it feels like that. And I think that it's, it's very clearly not. And, and I think that's, that's a part of it too. And and that's what I liked about it. Like it captures all, it's very multidimensional in how it kind of looks at all aspects of, of modern life and modern life filtered through social media. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't give a lot of easy answers, but it, it does sort of comment on all of it in a really, really entertaining but dead on way, you know, I mean, I think that's the best way I could describe it is it just feels so real. It feels so authentic. I agree. All right, guys, do you have a, do you, do you, Feeney, Foy, do you guys have a movie to throw out or are we moving on to number eight? I want Foy to throw out, well, his number, his not number I, eight. I, I have nothing. Like I said, I, I, I'm just sitting there with a little notepad, like, yeah, maybe I can craft something here. <laughs> I do Throw one out, throw one out. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a number one, but all right, let's talk. You know, I'm going to name two movies real quick that I liked, but don't ask me to talk about them because I barely remember them. Uh, the shed and the wretched. Okay. I think Paul can talk about one of those. Uh, yeah, I saw them. I saw them both. Um, and yeah. I like them both. Yeah. I like them both, but the problem is I saw them back in like April and May. And that was like seven years ago. So I don't really remember them that much. <laughs> the shed is basically a lot, kind of reminiscent a little bit of Fright Night, where mm-hmm. there's a empire that's hiding in this this uh, troubled teen shed, and instead of telling the authorities like he should, he just keeps letting it kill people because he's afraid he'll get blamed. He's not very smart, but eventually, <laughs> then he then has to fight the vampire himself, and 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 something was in the trunk of a car. I don't really remember. And and the wretched is also kind of similar in the Fright Night formula, only this time it's a witch. And there's something in a basement that's some sort of symbol that's taking over people's bodies, but nobody believes him. And yeah, like I said, I, I saw it a long time ago. They were both fine. I, if I remember correctly, the wretched actually kind of made headlines because it was like the top movie in the country or something for a very brief period of time. Oh, it was, you're right. Yeah. Like, like I said, they were both, I, I, they were both good movies. They just, they've kind of faded from memory because I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of things happened in 2020. <laughs> a few, a few, just a few. Yeah. God, you are right. It feels like it's been years long, though. Like, I, 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 this has been the longest damned year. Sure. And I will talk about The Wretched later because it's higher up on my list. Um, but I'll, I'll hold off on that. My number eight is uh, Sea Fever. Has anyone seen that? I've never even heard of that. I've, I've heard of this one. I can't believe it. This is with, uh, is it Connie Nielsen? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, came. Ah, I'm, so I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I there you go. You got this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's on yeah, my list so, to watch soon. So, so no spoilers, but no, but I, no, I won't spoil it. Um, yeah, it's it's. So I'm a huge aquatic horror fan. Uh, love love that subgenre, and this fits squarely into that. Um, I got to see it at Fantastic Fest. It was another one of those that played there, um, and it was. Yeah, it's it's really great. It kind of has um, so it's about this student uh, that's a PhD that's going to be studying sort of deep sea uh, behavioral patterns of creatures there, and she uh, gets a place on a fishing trawler and kind of goes out with this crew that doesn't really want her there. Um, you know, it's a, a Irish film, um, and so you kind of have. A lot of it's kind of folklore, you know, mixed with science, um, uh, the folklore of sort of the the seafarers and kind of what they believe versus the scientific approach uh, our main characters taking. And they go out and they sort of end up in a place they're not supposed to be and they come upon uh, a creature. Uh, and that's about as far as I'll go in terms of the plot. Um, so you get you get a lot of uh, really interesting creature stuff um it's a lot of dread uh it's definitely kind of a, a slow burn but at the same time it's just such a fascinating group of people dealing with such a bizarre situation that it, it hooks you and there are some payoffs horror wise um that are incredibly striking um and really leave an impression probably more so than a lot of the other movies i've seen this year um so it definitely delivers on its promise of dread but yeah, it it has some elements of cabin fevery type of stuff. There's some thing stuff, um, and there's some Leviathan stuff, all kind of mixed in a blender. Um, and yeah, I very much recommend it if you're into those kinds of movies. It was a really good time. That sounds awesome. Okay, I'm gonna have to look this up, guys. Anyone else see this? Feeny, you haven't, Foy? Nope. All right, moving on to my number eight, Hunter Hunter. Um, I saw enough people talking about this online that I felt I needed to see it, and yet the uh, final five minutes didn't get spoiled for me. And the thing is, um, all right, those uh, those five minutes are really something. Uh, but even without all of that, I think this is still just a really compelling movie. Uh, it works mostly even when it's just a sort of portrait of the struggling family in the wilderness kind of eking out an existence, but uh, when that horror element is eventually introduced, the movie really sings. Uh, I, I wouldn't dare run anything here, but what ultimately becomes of the family at the film center and what becomes of the uh, uh, the <laughs> the threat that they have to face, it, it's really shocking. It's really haunting. It's a movie that's going to stick with you once the uh, credits roll in long after. It, it just it leaves a few scars by the time you finish watching the movie. And uh, the guy who wrote and directed it's uh, Sean Linden. He just directed the hell out of it. Uh, it's never overly flashy. He doesn't really seem to be interested in pulling any tricks either as a director or a writer that it overshadowed the story's simplicity. It's just, it's a spare, mean-as-hell little movie, and I, I just can't recommend it enough. Holy shit, did I lose you guys? <laughs> no, no, I'm here. here. I just We're haven't seen it, for so I can't really comment. <laughs> is that it? Nope, nothing? Nobody else has seen it? No, nothing. Well, fuck. All right, number uh, number seven. <laughs> Unless, Foy, do you have anything to throw out? 
Is Foy with us still? Okay, Paul. Foy. <laughs> I can I can do seven. Um, so my number seven is a movie called Relic. Um, did anyone see that one? There are a couple of movies that I heard enough about that I felt like I should have seen them, and Relic is one of them that I never actually got around to. So, yeah, so I got a screener of Relic, like, really early in the year, so, um, and I checked it out, and it just stuck with me. Um, All right, how, so... how, how the hell do you swing that? How do you swing getting a screener anyway? <laughs> how do I become one of screeners? I had to write kind? a review of it. I had to, like, do something to, to get it. <laughs> I, did, write you know, I just want to know. Like, write I, a review I just, and yeah. I don't know. You just get on the list, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll hook you up. Um, anyway, uh, so I checked it out. It's it's and it really stuck with me. It's it's a really powerful movie. Um, it's it sort of has three generations of women in this family in this film, where a mother and her daughter go to see their, uh, their, her ailing mother and the daughter's grandmother. Um, it's starring Emily Mortimer, uh, and Bella Heathcote and Robin Nevin, um, is the core cast. It's a small film that kind of takes place in one location directed by Natalie Erica James. Um, and I think this is her debut. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe it was, um, it is a very powerful haunting story um that is basically tracking um sort of the dementia that the uh grandmother character is suffering um and they manifest that dementia by way of sort of an evil presence that is slowly growing and gnawing away at the house um their her childhood home and the house that the mother lives in um, and this is manifested by sort of a black mold that's kind of growing. Um, and essentially what, what the film does incredibly well is it sort of shows how memory in, in the case of dementia and, and, and age and sort of that relationship, um, how memory itself becomes a villain, uh, an enemy of sorts, a stranger. Um, and these things that we sort of cling to and collect um, represent the total opposite of what they were always meant to once that memory leaves you. Um, and they become frightening and uh, representative of the kind of loss of that comfort that they once so strongly represented. Um, and it's just a, an incredibly powerful, really scary movie that walks that line incredibly well. Um, and, and again, it's just one that you're right. A lot of people did talk about it online, but I do think there's still an audience for it um, that maybe missed it because it didn't get a huge release. Um, Screen Factory ended up putting it out by uh, because it's an IFC midnight film. So it does have a Blu-ray and it is in most like major outlet stores and things like that. But um, I definitely think it's one that more people should should check out. It's it's really powerful. I need to see it. Um, Feeney, Foyd, did you guys catch this movie? Nope. All right, neither did I. Uh, I need to get around to it. It sounds really good. It sounds, it's, Paul, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. It also sounds like kind of a bad time, though. Um, it, <laughs> it, this, it's this not, sounds like not hereditary the most where... movie in the world. Um, <laughs> but it also, I mean, there's definitely a pervasive sense of, like, familial love that, that permeates the film, even when things are really, really dour. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's heavy. <laughs> it's not a light, you know, it's not a light fun time. It's not a bring me out of 2020 kind of funk sort of Maybe movie. Not. So. Yeah. If you're in a funk, it might not be the best thing to, to put on. <laughs> All right. Has anybody got anything or are we moving on to my number seven? Seven? Are we on eight? Where the fuck are we anyway? We're in we're sevens. Oh, we are? We're on eight? I don't know. I can't keep track of this because two people are lunatics and insist on numbering things. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we are crazy. How is that? Okay. How is numbering things, <laughs> so far as keeping track of things, lunacy? Well, boy. What was, Paul, what was, your, what was Relic? Was that your seventh or your eighth? Uh, that was seven. So okay. So we're on seven. Six or, well, okay. Yeah, your seven and then my six. All right, fuck it. Uh, my number seven is The Rental, uh, written by Dave Franco and Joe Swanberg, directed by Franco. Has anybody seen this? Anybody out there? That was also that was also my that was the first one I was going to talk about um, <laughs> before you named Spree. So yeah, that, I, I uh, I'm I'm with you on this one. Good deal. I, I tell me if I'm wrong. I remember there being some sort of I don't know kerfuffle about this movie before it came out. I remember Dave Franco and some sort of wankery about his goals with the movie, probably not far astray from what uh, uh, Jay Baruchel said about his own horror movie earlier this year. If you guys remember all that nonsense, that kind of put me off watching the movie for a little bit. It really did. And yet I saw, if any, it might've been you. I saw somebody compare it a bit to, I know what you did last summer. So that means that I had to watch it. Uh, And even though that isn't, super accurate you know it was enough for me to give it a look and i'm glad i yeah, did that wasn't uh, me either this this movie is great uh it, it does feel kind of like a mumblecore flick for the first stretch but it's just even though it takes a long a time to get going it, it does it, it does but it's never uninteresting it's never slow no. it's this kind of um just pressure cooker situation between two sets of friends and there's kind of a hidden infidelity. There's some strange occurrences that plague the house, but it's not. Necessarily... It doesn't even. It doesn't even take a long time to get going. You're right. It just. It takes a long time. Like I didn't really know what it was about, and it takes a long time. If you don't know what it's about, it takes a long time for you to know. Oh, okay. You know, it takes about an hour. Yeah. To, oh, to, yeah. You know, to before you realize. Oh, that's what. What this is okay? It's this kind of movie. And when I mean, it, it, yeah, for the first hour, it's not really horror with capital H. But once the horror of the piece finally reveals itself, like damn like it's it's a mean mean little movie that packs one hell of a punch and um you know i i the very final moments though i kind of doubt it was the intent but it sort of effectively sets up the potential for you know numerous sequels that could tackle any number of different situations or settings or characters and i don't know that i need to see a follow-up but at the same time like i I, i'd probably watch one you know given uh given the strength of this one but uh yeah, it's 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 a great little movie that it feels like not enough people are talking about. I liked it enough that I I actually had looked it up like to buy the Blu-ray, uh, which I think Scream Factory is putting out. Uh, if if they haven't already put it out, they're putting it out. But um, yeah, I really liked it too. I think the characters are really interesting. There's a lot of it's a very screenwritery movie. Like there's a lot of kind of tension between the the characters, and it sort of changes like it sets up these relationships and then the movie kind of just really it's two couples and it it really just kind of starts starts kind of just pulling these two couples apart in in more ways than one and um it's kind of easy to relate to in a way if you've ever gone away on on like for a long weekend with your friends um you know and it kind of has a lot of that truth to it and then it and then and then the rug is pulled out from from underneath everybody and there's something else that happens. I guess I guess we shouldn't spoil it, really. I don't know. 
But I, um, I, I, I would I would lean toward not spoiling it simply because I don't think nearly enough people have seen it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and I agree. I think it's a really good movie. And, and it's one of the movies that has really stayed on my mind since I watched it. Not for any particular reason other than like I just keep thinking that was really, really rock solid. You know, I like the characters. I like the performances of, of all four, five, if you count the, the, the one neighbor character that, that kind of weaves in and out of the movie. Um, just genuinely enjoyed that that whole experience. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really, really just solid, sturdy, kind of slow. I guess it's slow. I don't know. I'm hesitant to call it slow burn, but I guess, it, I guess by the definition, it kind of is. Um, just because it takes a long time to get to your traditional horror. I guess it's a it's a slow burn movie if you're expecting a horror movie, but if you just go into it expecting like, you know, an interesting drama, you know, mm-hmm. then then it's not really slow at all. Like it, it's it's I don't know. I, I I haven't even seen so much as a trailer for the film, so I don't even know how they yeah. sold the damn Me movie. Either. I don't know how you would sell it, but um, yeah, yeah. You'd have to sell the last 30 minutes, you know, I think. And then it would have been one of those movies that would have been like a real nightmare. To, it would have been a real F cinema score movie because you'd, be <laughs> you'd be selling it. You'd be selling it on the thing that takes, you know, two thirds of the runtime to get to. And it would just piss everybody off. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I really, I really, really liked it. It was a great it was a nice surprise. All right. Foy, you got anything? Well, first of all, let me just say something. Are, are you telling me that a horror movie in 2020 was a slow burn? Oh, because I knew that, that was coming. <laughs> oh, that doesn't describe anything this past year. That seems to be the only horror movies they make. That's one of the reasons why I'm actually quite negative towards it. I don't mind a slow burn movie, but this is getting ridiculous. Somebody tweeted, <laughs> out, somebody, somebody tweeted out something the other day that I, I was like, just like I, I was looking at that tweet and going, wait, did I tweet this? They said, why do so many modern horror films have that tone? The kind of slow, kind of boring attempt at atmosphere where everyone is dreadfully serious and so, so unhappy. And it's just like, yes, that's my problem with so many horror movies. They all follow that, except for the ones that are the polar opposite, where they're supposed to be comedies. But everybody's completely in on the joke and swinging for the fences with their performances. It's like, you know, it's okay. You can make a movie that's kind of a horror movie that also has a fast pace. You can make a comedy where everybody isn't completely in on the joke and aware of the fact that they're making a dumb movie. I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I think I think it's everything in moderation. I think that there are a lot of movies that really benefit from that approach. And I guess for me, and I'm going to talk about one later that really is that type of movie. So apologies all around. Um, <laughs> but it, but I think, I think the pro, I mean, I don't know. I, I hesitate, I hesitate to say problem, but I think you're right in the sense that like a lot of movies are going that way. And there doesn't seem to, it does seem to be, you know, voice says that tone and I know exactly what he means, you know, and um, and just 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 that I'm able to parse exactly what he means. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's interesting. But there are a lot of them right now. So you know what? You know what? I'm going to name a movie that I actually really loved this past year, and it does not fit into that category. And I know Feeney's going to be on board with this. Unhinged. <laughs> that was my next one. Oh, unhinged. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I'm- 
Unhinged, where 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 uh, Russell Crowe plays a deranged fat man who terrorizes a woman <laughs> who does nothing more than blow a horn at him because he had already beaten his wife to death with his fist before, and I guess was just driving around casually afterwards. Who knows where he was actually going? You think he'd be confronted by the cops? But so she blows a horn at him, and then he begins stalking her, and then he just starts upright murdering everybody on her on her friends list on her phone. Then, then he then he begins committing enough vehicular homicide to fill a Mad Max movie, <laughs> and then he just runs around a house, just beating the shit out of men, women, and children. The <laughs> scene where he literally sits in a restaurant, tortures a guy in front of an entire packed room, then murders the guy, and nobody even does anything except just stands there and watch it happen. That seems accurate, though. Like I. <laughs> that would I could see that happening. I could Everybody, see people they just took, being they like, took, "Shit, I can't do anything." But they took, you know, record. I mean, that, that is pretty accurate. There's a scene where, and, and it's even more crazy because they almost kind of run into each other in traffic again later by accident. And at that point, Russell Crowe decides, you know what? I'm just going to use my little minivan here, and I'm going to go Mad Max on everyone. He's he's ramming people into traffic and getting them every vehicle there's nobody can just have a fender bender at this point it's literally your car is getting annihilated by 18 wheelers freeway <laughs> 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 the highway the suburbs and then at the end of the movie and i i know I, I spoiler alert after all this the movie actually has a scene where they seem to set up the message is that you know what lady you really shouldn't have blown your horn stop me <laughs> <laughs> A cautionary tale. Yeah, I just <laughs> remember the trailer for the movie back when it premiered in the summer where it seemed to sell the idea that Crow's character was going to be this, you know, maybe vaguely sympathetic kind of character. Maybe the movie was going to be a little more falling down or maybe a little more changing lanes. And then the movie opens, like you said, with him just straight up murdering two people with a hammer and burning a house down. It's like, oh, this this is not the movie I was sold at all. <laughs> No, he's, it literally opens with him sitting in his car, and then he just decides to go in and just beat people to death. And then, and then he's just in traffic the next day, casually, while this woman's having a bad day and blows her horn at him. And then he decides, like, you know what? I'm just going to randomly torture this woman to teach her some manners. And, my favorite, and it, my favorite it's, scenes it's, were the ones of him when he's behind the wheel of his car when they would just cut to him quickly driving and he'd be grunting like an animal as he's driving. <laughs> he'd just be like... <laughs> 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 it's almost, it, almost, it almost felt like for like the first like 15 20 minutes like all right we're gonna take this seriously we're making a really tense serious thriller and then they realized ah screw it let's just go <laughs> i laughed hysterically actually from the very beginning so i don't know what that says about me but i'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that russell crowe continues down this kind of b-movie path you know the very beginning when he was beating his wife to death with a claw hammer Okay. Yeah, it, was yeah. just, it was just so it strikes that tone right away. It's kind of like it tells you, okay, you're watching trash, good trash, <laughs> good the, trash. the best kind of trash, because it it's it's the kind of movie that really doesn't get made anymore. And you know, you were right to segue from you know that tone right to this because there is a lost art to a movie like Unhinged. You know, you can't you go too far. And it becomes too self-aware for its own good, or you know, you you make it really boring, and and maybe the movie that Jinx kind of thought it was, which was like a 
you know, the, a sympathetic portrait of a psychopath. It's really hard in this day and age for some reason to make unrepentant schlock in a in a really good way. I find I don't find a lot of it. I, I described Unhinged as the greatest movie Michael Winner never made. Yeah, that's a good. That's yeah. a very very good assessment of it. Yes, and if you know who Michael Winner is, then you know somewhere Marina Sirtis watched that movie and still started having flashbacks. <laughs> It uh it, yeah it's it's great I mean it is it Russell Crowe is fully committed, and and the carnage that he unleashes there's that one moment at the end that I laughed the rest of the movie over because it was just so funny when the woman the the woman that's collateral damage is just kind of <laughs> driving to work and she's applying eyelashes in her car while she's driving. <laughs> Maybe it was lipstick. I can't remember. She was doing and, her makeup. In, and she's doing her makeup, and she gets rear-ended, but she goes right into like the the exit divider, like the cement, and her car just like flips over, and she just gets obliterated. And something about it is just so funny. It's like that asshole on the highway that's causing everybody that's causing the backup, and just to see that, like, I, it, it's one moment that actually made me miss theaters because I was like, oh, it with the right audience, this movie would have just been a legendary laugh riot you know um, the cop scene the cop scene would have gotten a big yeah oh, big yeah that's, that's that's a similar sequence too um but yeah I, i'm with you foy i i loved this movie i thought it was a i just thought it was so so much fun in in the kind of fun that it, it, i i can't remember the last time there was kind of another high grade looking kind of just unabashedly trashy movie like this. So, and, and, the other, and the other thing that was so great about it was there were so many simple things the heroine could have done to prevent all this from happening, but she never did any of it. <laughs> that would have be right away. All she had to do was be completely reasonable and sensible. But no, much like the kid in the shed, it's like you know what? I'm not going to tell anybody there's a vampire eating my neighbors because I might get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call the cops and tell that this guy stole my phone and is murdering everybody on my list because he might murder more people on my phone list. I don't know. <laughs> don't don't honk your horn at people in traffic. That'll that'll teach you. you never know when, yeah, you never know when Russell Crowe in a fat suit might be waiting. <laughs> All right, Paul, you're number six. All right. Um... Well, I'll go ahead and bring back uh, The Wretched and be quick since we already touched on it. Um, yeah, The Wretched, uh, as Foy pointed out, it, it's a very fun movie. Um, it's kind of right up my alley. It's very Fright Night-ish, um, and Fright Night's one of my favorites. Uh, so kid visits it, or goes to stay with his dad for the summer, uh, kind of in a vacation-y place, works by these docks where people like rent out boats and stuff. Uh, the neighbor's house basically has a witch in the basement, uh, and the witch preys on children. Um, so there's this sort of plot line where there's a kid who's going to be taken by the witch, and he starts to suspect this is happening, and he's kind of spying on them and putting it together. And um, it's just, it, it has a, a lot of sense of fun, like the teenage antics that are going on in it. There's subplots about him dating and stuff that are just completely 
you know, erroneous to the actual horror plot line, but it kind of fills out the story to make it feel more like you're watching a teen comedy that's getting interrupted by a very sinister witch plot line. Um, I love any time witches show up in movies. I just think witches are a fun conceit to play with. Um, the witch stuff in this movie is really pretty terrifying. Um, and there's a, you know, I'm not always a fan when a movie has sort of like a twisty uh, final act, not to spoil anything. I won't go into it, but this one has kind of a fun, interesting twist to it that kind of ties together um, the witch storyline. So uh, again, it's one that uh, was number one in the country in the box office at one point, as Foy pointed out, because it was playing drive-ins and like nothing else was out and no one was going to the movies. Uh, but I do think it's a little bit underseen. It is streaming on Hulu. So pretty accessible to most people. Uh, and a very fun movie to check out. All right. I still need to see it. Uh, all right. My uh, my number six is, uh, I may catch hell for this, but uh, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns with this. The Babysitter Killer Queen. <clears throat> That's it? Oh, this, nobody, oh, oh, oh. Nobody, second, nobody's going to give me a shit for this? Yeah. I okay. haven't seen it. I, all right. Yeah, cool. I, 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 I think yeah. it's, I thought it was fun. I well, you and I, yeah, Paul, I knew you would have my back because yeah, I, I got no problems with being too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the original movie, and I got to admit, I, I, I was a little concerned about the sequel back when it was first announced. It, it didn't, I didn't feel like the original movie really needed a sequel. You know, it looked like Samara Weaving wasn't going to be in it, which I mean, damn it, Samara Weaving should be in everything, but especially sequels to her own films and. Um, I don't know. The trailer maybe wasn't the greatest. So uh, I don't know. I, I was kind of delighted when the movie wound up being as good as it is. I I adored it. I, it feels like a natural progression for the lead character. It, it features uh, a, a bit of really interesting retconning and redemption for one of the uh, the original characters. And it still manages to nail that weird, wonky tone that the first movie had. You know, it's a little, little tense at times. It's cartoony and splat-sticky at others, but... Always with with loads of heart, and I I mean, damn it, I I almost got <clears throat> a little, you know, maybe 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 just a tad, just a little bit, maybe a little teary eyed at the end, close to it, maybe maybe just a tad. I I don't know. It's been a trying year. I was probably being overly sensitive. In a still. sequel to the Babysitter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's a hell of a ride. It, this is this is Jinx's cry for help. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> If people haven't been listening to the podcast, uh, no, it's it's one of the most purely entertaining movies I saw in 2020, and I, I really hope there's a third film to round out the trilogy. I really do. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say about it because I already talked about it for nearly an hour once on this podcast before. Wow. So, yeah, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not saying one more word about this. But another thing about the movie that I loved is that it took. It, it, it t- okay, no, no more. That's fine. I, I'm done. But it is great. All right. Did you guys like the original right. movie? Uh, I I don't remember it that well. I watched it on Netflix when it first came out, and uh, the, the I, sequel I, may not be for you. Like it was okay. Yeah, it may not be for you either. Boy. Okay, that's fine. It's it's cool. I'm not not bummed at all. It's, I thought it was fun. <laughs> I had a good time with it. Paul, you tell me you didn't tear up at least a little bit by the end. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty easy. I get emotional in like Folgers commercials, so like it's pretty easy for me <laughs> to get to just about every piece of media. If it has even a remotely sad sequence, I will probably get emotional. 
Um, so I don't know if I'm the best barometer <laughs> to check. I think I'm just looking for somebody to back me up, man. That's, I'll back I'm... you up. I mean, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with it. I actually think it makes the first one better. I, I don't know. I think this one informs the first one in a way retroactively and makes it like a slightly better film. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of fills out some motivations. Like it, it yeah, I agree. I, I really do hope they make a third one, but who knows? Um, yeah. All right. So I guess guys, Feeney, Foy, do you guys have anything to throw out, or are we moving on to number five? Let's go to number five. All right, Paul. Friend, I didn't get a number six. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. You're not yeah. counting down. Stop it. Well, now I'm just being spiteful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyway, let's, let's talk about a movie that made me tear up. Uh, Primal, starring Nick Cage. <laughs> he, he's a big game hunter, and, and he's, on a, he's on like a a cargo ship, and then, like, an African leopard gets loose. But it turns out that's not really what the movie was about. It was mostly about some random bad guys trying to, like, get something, and then he had to stop them. And every so often, they really horribly CGI leopard showed up, and I just sat there, like, crying because they wasted such a great B-movie premise and, like, $6 of my money. Anyway, let's move. (laughs) Did you see Rogue starring Megan Fox? I did not see that one either. But I heard in that one they decided to rehab the lions and make them the good guys. She has. <laughs> I actually like. I, it's um. Yeah, it's it's a it's also not the movie that you think you're getting into because when 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 people online were like, "Oh, Megan Megan Fox versus lions," I like went on Vudu and I pre-ordered the the digital copy of it because I was like, I that's that's you don't need to sell me on anything else. I'm going to, that's a film I'm going to watch. And, um, yeah, it's, it's way more serious than you expect it to be. And it's also becomes more about like people that poach lions in Africa and all of that. It's not a bad little action movie even so, but, um, definitely not, not what I thought I was getting. Hmm. I thought it looked fun from the trailer. I never. Yeah, got it, 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 it's, it is. It's it's very very harmless watch. It's one of those movies where it's it's actually good. Megan Fox actually does really well in it as a, as kind of like a with an action movie role, and this the the supporting characters that she's with. One of the guys I wasn't familiar with him, but he I, I looked him up after he was on that Cinemax show Strike Back or whatever that I know a lot of people seem to like. Um, it was a really good supporting cast, and it reminded me of like kind of like not on this level, uh, so don't get too excited. But it had a kind of a Shane Black vibe to it, where oh, wow. where all the characters are very per- they have very strong personalities, so you really like them. So it's very easy to watch, and it's, it, it was a lot more well developed than a lot of movies in that in that kind of genre in that way, where you're like, wow, I, I think the actors are good, and and they have some kind of some meat you know, on these characters to play with a little bit, uh, which you don't usually get, or you don't often get in that, that type of movie. So, um, you know, if you go in not expecting it to be, you know, a, a nature run amok movie where Megan Fox has to kind of defend herself against crazy lions, it's, it's not roar with Megan Fox. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, there, there's, it was fun enough. I feel like she's always been solid in, in the bulk of the movies that she's done, if not all of the movies. And yet, 
you know, and I'm the same way, so I'm not knocking you for this, but there, there's always that kind of knee-jerk reaction where you want to say, like, no, she's actually really good in the movie. You know, she's almost like the Halloween 3 of actors where, you know, <laughs> it's she's been really good for so long, and yet we're continually surprised by that fact. I, I, and I don't know why that is. I think she just got shit on because she's, you know, I mean, in the Transformers movie, she's literally in there playing hot chick. And I think it, I think it kind of comes from that and not necessarily I think people react to that in a certain way. But I think I would I agree. I mean, I've actually liked her her performances kind of, you know, right from the beginning. And of course, Jennifer's Body, I think, is is a very underappreciated movie. But um, yeah, I, I, I she's an actor I, I love to uh, I love to watch. I think she's got a, a very good personality to her. And, you know, she's always kind of underrated. So I'm 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 with you there. Rock on. All right. Um, number five, Paul, I think. Uh, sure. Yeah. So my five is alone. Did you see? Oh, it? the, uh, the John Hyams movie. Yes. Haven't seen it yet, but it's, it's literally like the next movie on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know, uh, I know Jinx saw this one, right? Yeah. It didn't make my top 10, but it's definitely an honorable mention. I, uh, had a pretty great time with it. It was I not love the John Hyams. He's great. I was I was telling Paul that he needs to check out the uh, the Universal Soldiers sequels. And oh, Paul yes. revealed that he hasn't even seen the first Universal Soldier. So Paul, here's what you do: you watch the original <laughs> Roland Emmerich Universal Soldier. You then skip everything all the way up until the Hyams Universal Soldier movies and just make it a trilogy with those three. Okay, yes, do. that's that's the best advice you're going to get. <laughs> um, I will I will absolutely do that. I'm excited about it too. Uh, but so this movie, you know, it's a little high on my list. The reason it's so high is it really just surprised me. It, it was a movie that surprised me with how much I enjoyed it. I watched it with my wife and she's not always, I mean, she likes horror, but she's not like a huge horror person. And, and this one really resonated with her. Um, and I guess the way I describe it is it's, it's a, if it's a movie you've seen before is probably the biggest issue with it is it's, it's a, sort of a, a woman being stalked by a predatory man who's, you know, out to get her. And it's as simple as that. It's, it's an incredibly simple, slimmed down film. But what's really compelling about it is the woman makes every right decision. She does everything right to not be in a position to get caught by this, by this, person and yet things keep sort of going the wrong direction um and without really spoiling it or, or going too deep into what the movie actually becomes uh it, it just it creates a palpable tension and i guess that's sort of a running theme with a lot of the movies i tend to like is i i actually i mean we were joking about how a lot of movies these days sort of you know, trade in slow builds and slow burns and dread as opposed to outright more entertainment. Um, I think some of that's indicative of budgets. Um, I think, you know, it's easier and cheaper to create dread than it is to maybe pay off certain things. So I think sometimes that's a lazy storytelling concierge or just an easy thing that they can just do. But I think this movie is a really good example of how well that can work um, and how upsetting that can be when it's done correctly. And when the actors are giving performances that 
you know, are worthy of our time when that's all we're seeing. Cause this is very much a very, you know, th- you only really have a couple characters in this film. Um, but yeah, it, it really gripped me. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, and the finale, I mean, was just one of the most intense finales, uh, you know, showdowns between characters that I've seen in a long time. And it was because the movie did such a good job earning that showdown. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's high on my list, but I really think it's a movie, again, that I don't think a lot of eyes got on this one. So I, I really want more people to watch it. Um, and I really loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I will absolutely watch it. I, I, I think, John, after the Universal Soldier movies, I was just, like, waiting for this guy to get snapped up by, by like, A-list Hollywood. And I, I kind of can't believe it hasn't happened because he is he is genuinely a phenomenal director. Um, so yeah, I, um, this is definitely something that I'm going to be watching soon. And I think you're right. I mean, as you know, I've, I've actually had a couple of scripts get optioned at this point. And, um, one of the things that you always, always hear is, is it a confined thriller? Is it, can you do it for, you know, a million five? Is it, you know, how many characters are in it? How many locations? Is it, is it just one location, two locations? Like, and you know, that's, that's 110%. That's why a lot of these movies are kind of like they are. Um, Maybe not in tone, like the tone thing that Foy was touching on earlier. That's that. I think that I think is something else. I think like the maudlin horror film is just kind of where we are right now as a culture. Right. But um. But yeah, I mean the the the, the confined locales are are kind of just they're all the rage for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I I would echo everything Paul said. I don't know. You know, it's funny listening to you talk about. It. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, rock on. That's totally why. Why is this movie not in my top ten? <laughs> um, you know, and that's just. I mean, that points to what you know a, a pretty good year it was for horror movies. Foy, it was for the most part. Um, no, I, I, I dug the hell out of the movie and I will say one thing too, without getting too spoilery, but it does feature a, 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 a confrontation in the movie that is maybe one of the most realistic battles I've ever seen in a film. Uh, would you say Paul? And that goes to, I think how great of a director Himes is, but you know, I'm glad that he kind of, uh, it doesn't feel choreographed at all. And yet it's, it's still big and it's still, uh, just intense, but it feels like real people. You know what I mean? Uh, and that was a standout moment in a movie full of standout moments. So definitely try and catch it as quickly as possible. Um, and I agree with you too, Feeney, that, that Hyam seems to be a guy who's being slept on right now. And I, I, I would love to know why that's the case and why he hasn't really broken out yet. It could just be that he's he's making good, you know, because he's, he's the, didn't he do that Z Nation show? Or isn't that like his show? Or he's direct, he directed it? He, he directed um, a lot of that. He did. Okay, I haven't seen. So, yeah, he probably, he's. I know he's done like some TV stuff, so it's just possible he's just like, hey, he's just rolling and and happy to be, you know, getting work and just doing stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think that that there's a real, you know, I'd love to see that guy with. You know, I don't want to see him necessarily make a Marvel movie, but I mean, like, I'd love to see what he could do with kind of like a not necessarily John Wick, but like something like that, you know, give him, give him, give him $20 million instead of five or whatever the universal soldiers, the sequels cost, uh, probably not even five, but like, 
Yeah, I'd lo- I would love to see him kind of just isn't. Just... Um, oh, sorry. It, it, no, isn't no, he going to be working on the uh, Nicholas Winding Refn Maniac Cop series? I think he's. Oh my god! I think he's. I mean, uh, I heard. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I, I keep thinking I, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, I would. I would love for it to happen. Pretty, but, pretty yeah, sure he, he's a. I think he's attached to that. He is. You're right. You're right. He is. Yeah. But I mean, how I mean, it's been like five years since we. But who knows? I mean, that stuff. Some stuff is just in development for a long time. True. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would love. I would love that. I, 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 I will believe that when it actually happens. Because really, given the mood of the country right now, maniac. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird time to bring out maniac. <laughs> maybe it's the perfect time for a movie. Maybe like that. I don't. Know. I, it would be the maybe. perfect time for maniac cop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God. I will say uh, just real quick on that. I rewatched the first three movies for the first time, and God, probably twenty years. Um, and holy shit, what fun! Like those movies are a blast. Uh, I think Shutter had them all. I wound up buying all of the uh, the Blu-rays. But my God, what a! I'd forgotten the movies could be like that, and I wish more movies were. You know, we were talking about Unhinged and that kind of. Uh, you know how how great schlock is uh, sadly kind of rare these days, and the movies like that, I just wish we got more of these days. Foy and I did like a whole show once on just how great Maniac Cop Two is. Really, <laughs> I need to listen. Yeah, to this. we were talking about the uh, that we were reviewing the uh, the Blu-rays for the two and three when they came out, and we pretty much talked about the whole franchise for like an hour plus. Where was this at? That was uh the the now defunct Foycast. I actually have a. I actually have the audio of that one. I could probably put it on YouTube. Please do. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Um, all right, my number five is uh, is underwater. Did you guys see this? That was also going to be on my list. Yeah, um, I did. I, I saw that one. Good. Okay. Good deal. Good, Paul. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Underwater. One of the is last the first... movies I actually saw in a theater this year. <laughs> I was going to say, is this the first movie that all four of us have seen? Yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, Paul, echoing you, yeah, this is one of the last movies I saw in theaters. It's maybe one of the more intense and enjoyable films I saw uh, last year. I think uh, Chris and Stewart and company were excellent. I think the characters were all very well drawn. The set pieces were intense. The the the, the monsters I think in it were so beautifully realized. And um, man, just just that final reveal of, of the movie's big baddie, I think, is just so much fun. Um, I know the movie's been out for nearly a year, and I don't want to spoil who that monster was in the film's final act for anybody who maybe hasn't seen it, because it doesn't seem like a movie that really ever quite blew up. But um, I don't know. There isn't a whole lot for me to say about this movie, save for the fact that it's just just a wonderfully executed version of this type of story, this kind of aquatic horror film. And uh, again, talk about movies that we rarely see. Like, this movie feels like... It feels modern in many ways, but at the same time, it feels like it was plucked right out of the mid-80s. And... Uh, I just it's it's an utter blast for me. I I adored it. Foy. I I really have no strong feelings about this movie. I was not impressed with it like everyone else was. It felt like a movie I've seen a million times before and it was like in one ear and out the other. And yeah, I'm not going to spoil the big thing at the end that everyone keeps going crazy about, but I'll just point out the fact it doesn't actually do anything. It just, <laughs> it, it, just, it just shows up, and it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then... Well, boy, he doesn't really do anything elsewhere either. Like, that's kind of yeah. his thing. 
and 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 then he gets blown up and it's over. Wait. And and then also the fact that you know maybe they shouldn't have put all those things up in the opening credits that already told you how the movie was going to end. That was a baffling creative decision because then they put them up again during the end credits and it's like why did you put them in the opening credits? We already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Eh, we already knew what was going to happen anyway. It's a fucking genre movie about people in the water besieged by fucking monsters. It's like, what the, gee, what the, what's going to, and the movie tells it like, it's five minutes in, the whole thing has gone to shit anyway. It's not like there's any surprise about, are they going to make it out of here? I mean, in the first three minutes, there's a massive hull breach. Kristen Stewart's running for her life, about to be drowned, and it's only downhill from there. I mean, it really isn't the kind of movie where you're like, how is this going to end up? Well, no, I mean, I actually really liked the opening sequence when they were like you know, the uh, the part where the uh, the Hulk reach. I, I actually liked that more than the monster stuff, strangely enough. But my biggest question about that movie that has never been answered is, why was Kristen Stewart running around in black leather lingerie at the end? I don't know, but that's why it was my number two movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I I just think it's a it's a simple story well told and I, I mean I don't I don't yeah, I enjoyed I, it you know I don't know it's it's like sure we you know it's Deep Star Six it's Leviathan but I think it's better than at least better than Deep Star Six um, well that's not that hard actually no 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 it isn't <laughs> I, I, re- <laughs> I rewatched that this this year for the first time since like VHS and I was real excited to get that Kino Blu-ray because like I said it had been th- twenty five years thirty years. I don't know, long time. And I was like pumped because I remember really liking it when it was a first, a new release on VHS. And oh God, I just sat watching it being like, nothing happens in this movie at all. Yeah. That was a snooze. Yeah. Um, the Deep, Deep Star Six, real quick, has always been one of those movies where like, I want to like it more than I actually do. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's, got, it's got Miguel It's Ferrer got a great poster. It. It's got a great poster. Yeah. Um, it's a full monster, but really nothing happens for most of the movie, and then the monster stuff is really kind of underwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Le- I like Leviathan better. Leviathan's yeah, oh, like the superior aquatic horror from that year. Much, much, much better, yeah. Uh, but Underwater, I mean, I, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't spoiled for me, and I had the same reaction, I guess, as Jinx. I was really excited. I it, it like that reveal was just like I kind of gasped, and anytime a movie can make me gasp, I just give it I give it extra props because I just feel like I don't get surprised that much in the movies anymore. And you know, yeah, granted, you have to kind of know you have to know those mythos hint hint to know what you know what it all what it's all about anyway. But it's just I wasn't expecting the movie to go there. Again, I thought that was a cool kind of third act, kind of like, yeah, the, it, it, you know, it, that's what this is. Uh, I don't know. I, I really, I really liked it. I thought it gave it an extra dimension. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not, doesn't reinvent the genre or anything. I wasn't looking for it to. It was a really crisp 90 minute thriller. Uh, I don't know. I was fine with that. And I really, really enjoyed it. I, I kind of just put that one in the same category as Blood Quantum. Like, yeah, it's fine, but I just I don't get why everyone's so excited about it. I think Which it's is, just because it's probably just because it hasn't been that type of movie in, I mean, in a long time, um, and people were kind of probably just kind of happy to have that type of movie again. You know, I don't know. I don't think it was anything more 
that, that sounds like that sounds like when everybody on social media was suddenly trying to sell us on Hellfest being a great slasher movie. Oh, like, I like Hellfest. Wait, Hellfest. Really that you're really that desperate for a slasher movie that you're trying to elevate something that's not that good. Which one? Say it was the greatest slasher ever made. Oh, oh, Hellfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Haunt for a second, and I was like, wait, I really liked that one. Haunt's um, better. Yeah, uh, Haunt's, yeah Haunt's, Haunt's solid. Haunt's really good. Um, yeah, Hellfest. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was, you know. I, I Hellfest was one of those ones, like, it had really a really great location. And I'll give it credit, because it really, like, it just felt like, oh, this feels like a real, this feels like a real thing that you would bring your friends to. Like, and it, and it kind of, I like anything that has that, that sort of verisimilitude to it that feels real in a moment. Um, I'm really, really fussy with slasher movies, like really, really fussy. So to me, when, when, when uh, something isn't hitting all the notes I need it to, like um, I, I do kind of get picky and that one I did, I did enjoy it, but I will say Hellfest was like, it, it had a couple really good kills, but they were early on, and then the 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 last like the third act kills were not that good or memorable, and it was kind of like y- you did it in reverse. <laughs> but I mean, wait, wait, you want to talk about that movie doing things in reverse? Like it's called Hellfest. The opening kill has like the slasher in this devil outfit. And then they just get rid of that, and for the rest of the movie, it's just a guy in a hoodie with a melted yam face, like not even an impressive costume. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, it's a movie called Hellfest. Why the hell are we talking about Hellfest? That's yours. You brought it up, goddammit. In our 2020. (laughs) It up as an example, not so we could have a discussion of it. All right, who's next? What movie are we throwing out? You know what? I'm going to go, since, we're, since you just brought up Underwater, I'm going to mention a movie that I actually liked from the, better than Underwater from the guy who wrote Underwater, Love and Monsters. Very good. Well, for the first time I nights. love Love and Monsters. That's, that's on my list. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so it's a movie that proves that, once again, Hollywood has greatly deprived us of movies featuring giant monster crabs because it has so a true. giant... That is so great at the end. It has a giant frog that's genuinely frightening. And it's basically really? a post- Yes. No, I don't say frightening, but I mean, look, it's a giant frog that its tongue is either a battering ram or it can suck you in and eat you. So, I mean, you don't see too many giant frog movies either. Yeah, it's, basically- it's... Oh, sorry. It sounds yeah. awesome. Yes, it's basically a post-apocalyptic teen survival drama comedy. It feels like something that could have been a pilot for a CW network show. Oh, totally. Yes, because apparently, yes, a a celestial event has caused this stuff to rain down on Earth, and it's mutated all of the animal population. Well, not most of the animal population. So now the human race has almost entirely, like, been killed off or living in bunkers. And there's giant bugs, giant amphibians, giant crabs. You know, just all these different giant animals, and it's all about this one kid who had this girlfriend right before all this happened, and he hasn't really seen her in about seven years. They've been speaking by radio because they're in a different colony, and it's almost certain death to even go outside because you don't know what's going to be there to kill him, kill you. And it's like he just goes on this journey to try to meet up with her to try to get back together. And then, unfortunately, he he, well, he, he teams up with a dog and a couple of people who are living out there amongst the wild, but. 
he has to contend with all of these different mutated animals along the way. Of course, the usual assortment of like your bad guy who really, if I don't want to go into spoilers, but boy, they have some really terrible planning. They're not the most <laughs> well thought out villains. Although I still want to know how they managed to wrangle a giant crab to tow their ship. That's a good question. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun little movie with a, a nice mix of comedy and, and uh, just, uh, yeah, like I said, it just, it feels like something, if you like Buffy-esque type humor, it's very much in that tone. I liked Buffy-esque humor when it was Buffy, but I, I sometimes Buffy-esque humor really rubs me the wrong way when it's. You know, I, I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say Buffy-esque humor because that also implies that everyone's constantly making pop culture references. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. That's what I thought actually. I was like, oh, yeah, is it like that? So in retrospect, maybe Buffy-esque humor is the right description for this movie. <laughs> it's not. No, like I, uh, the- it- didn't make my top 10 but i i really really dug the movie um it, it does feel like the beginning of the series i'd be very curious to see if uh there are any plans for follow-ups because it does feel like that the story could you know the story of that world could definitely you know I, I uh, say be told thing. more at length love and monsters is like the second the, the, the i think the original title was like how to survive a monster apocalypse and while that's not a great title it's still a better one than love and monsters <laughs> I have to say, Love and Monsters seems like a uh, it, the title is what really kind of kept me from clicking on it and seeing like what it was about. And so now hearing you describe it, I'm super interested. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, whole, I mean the, the original title, How to Survive a Monster Apocalypse, kind of ties into the fact that you know while he's on this journey to reunite with this uh, the girl he likes, he's pretty much creating a book for a guide for how the human race can actually go out into the wild and survive amongst these creatures. Yeah, that seems like a, a much better title. Dagger. Um Okay, Paul, what's your number four? Uh, I'll say my four. I, I, Love and Monsters is on my list, and it ranks even higher. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say my piece on that in a minute, but I agree with everything everyone said. I love that movie. Um, but my four is another pretty, this is probably my first like big mainstream, obvious, you know, top 10 rank that's going to show up on everybody's top 10 movie list, but I don't really care because I really liked it. Um, it's the Invisible Man by Lee Winnell. Uh, nice. So did everybody see that one? It's a little higher on my list, but yeah, loved it. Okay. <laughs> it ain't on mine. <laughs> Have you seen it? I have. I'm just going to say real quickly. um, I really like the first two thirds of it, but I hate the third act. So, gotcha. Well, I get it. I mean, and I know this. I've heard. I've definitely heard different opinions about that. I've talked to people that really liked it, really hated it. I mean, obviously, it made a. It was a big movie. A lot of people saw it. Um, it was, and I think part of one of the reasons it's really become one of my favorites is it was the actual last movie I saw in a theater before everything sort of shut down. And it was like the last weekend you could see a movie kind of thing. Like I, I caught it right as things were closing. Um, and I had a really good theatrical experience with it. It was a, a crowded theater, um, which now sounds really scary, but the time didn't scare me. Um, 
and you know people were reacting to the movie in the right way at all the right moments um all of the big moments in the film really hit um i loved uh i mean obviously elizabeth moss's performance was really compelling i don't think i need to like recant the plot of this one because I just feel like it's a really well-known movie. It just, it really worked for me on all cylinders. It just was a, a good example of, you know, sort of a studio movie, a studio horror film that kind of knew what it wanted to do, had a good creator at the helm um, and just worked. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I, I really enjoyed it and it, it ranks fairly highly for me. Rock on. I'll, I'll, Yeah. I, I agree. I'll have more to say about it here in a second, but I, I yeah. dig, dig the hell out of the movie. My number four is um, Gretel and Hansel, which is uh, also one of the last movies I caught in theaters before things went to hell. Um, I'm a big fan of Oz Perkins' stuff. Uh, it was exciting to see him do kind of a studio film that hit theaters everywhere. And I, I think what resulted is a movie that probably wasn't that satisfying to the mainstream. It doesn't seem like it, but I absolutely love the movie. I think it's just stunningly designed and filmed. I think it's just gorgeous. And um, I, I, I love the sort of subtle twists and turns that this, uh, you know, this, this, this very well-known story takes. And uh, I, I, there's something about the movie to me that's just absolutely haunting. You know, there are images in this movie that aren't necessarily overtly horrific, but really, really just stick with you. I, I, I think by the end of it, you get the sense there could be maybe further stories told in this world, and I really hope that happens, but either way, I'm hoping that Perkins gets to do more based on the strength of this particular movie. I I, I loved it. Please tell me that you guys saw it. Anyone? Oh! Oh, I saw it! You don't want to hear my opinion. <laughs> Boy, whether I, am, whether I want to hear it or not, <laughs> let's not pretend you're not going to give it. Uh, you know what? I'll just politely say it is a very lovely to look at film. And I went into it hoping I was going to see something akin to The Witch. And you, you know what? I wouldn't even call it a bad film. I would just say it, I, it, I just found it dull. It never got my attention. It just never sucked me in. It was just always just one flat monotone from beginning to end. Hmm. That, that's really all I have to say about Gretel and Hansel, Witch Hunters, or whichever one it is. This <laughs> I like I like the Witch Hunter one with Jeremy Renner. <laughs> What's that sequel? Um, I I saw uh, Gretel and Hansel, and I I enjoyed it. Um, it it didn't obviously rank for me, but um, but I did really like it. I I I do actually sort of agree that for me the movie it was a lot more like what I really enjoyed the most about it was sort of the look of the film, like the filmmaking, the, the shot compositions, like uh, sort of how the world he created looked engrossed me more than what was necessarily happening in the movie. So I do kind of feel that way as well, but I did think it was a really expertly crafted movie and, and like it stuck with me. So I, I did like it. Um, it just didn't kind of crack that. Uh, that list that where I connect to it more emotionally, I guess. Feeney, did you see it? I did not. 
All right. So you're not against me, at least. At least not yet. That's that's good. I'm not, like, not yet. <laughs> neutral person. So, no, I, I I get it. I completely understand why the movie would keep people at arm's length. I, it seems like Oz Perkins' stuff is kind of divisive in that way. I know, you know, uh, I, I've heard a fair share of reviews of The Black Coat's Daughter. and uh, I, I love think, The Black Coat's Daughter. Oh, I love I that movie. Yeah, I do, too. Great. I, I adore that. I really like uh, I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, that Netflix movie that he did. Um so, but I, but you know, it, it seems like his stuff is kind of polarizing in that way, and um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Gretel and Hansel just sort of draws me in from minute one, and I, I I've seen it a couple of times now, and it kind of has that same effect. Like its power over me hasn't really dimmed with multiple viewings. So uh, I don't know. I, I there's something wrong with me, but uh, but uh, no, the movie works like gangbusters for me for whatever reason. I don't think it did that well, so I don't think we're going to be seeing any follow ups to it, but. Uh, you know, I would have been down for like a Huntsman and Witch movie starring those same two characters a few years from now. Would have been nice. Could have been cool. Uh, no, nothing. All right, uh, moving on. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I can't give you. I can't give you anything. I, to keep. I, I, I can't give it. you what I'm you're tired. looking for. I, yes, I'm behind you. You're good. <laughs> you got me in your camp. <laughs> you know, what? it's fine. No, I do have. Uh, I do have three movies left, so I can actually go as a, with a with a number three. Nice. What's your uh, wait? Are we done with four? We're still doing number four. Well, go ahead, Foy. You, Mister. I don't have any. Really repeatedly precious about his numbers tonight. Okay, go ahead. What's your number four? <laughs> well, let me just say, you're an angry drunk. I am not. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm gonna pour wow. those. Getting contentious. I was being. I was being good. I only. I kept it to two. Now I'm having a three. Here it is, right in the mic. <laughs> I, I hear it. You know, I saw I'm just drinking good beer. Is that? is that a Game of Thrones branded Johnny Walker? It is, yeah. It was a gift for the Christmas present. Okay, Foy. Well, We're I, waiting I to, to quote Ted Knight and Caddyshack. Oh, my God. What an angry. <laughs> angry. Anyway. Yes, uh, the angry drunk that quotes Caddyshack. <laughs> like most angry drunks. Uh, I'm just going to randomly throw out Spell. And I can tell right away I'm probably the only one who's seen it. <laughs> it's basically uh, misery, only with like hoodoo. It's about a uh, a successful African American businessman who goes with his family to his uh, after a, his father dies back to Appalachia, and their private plane crashes. And when he wakes up, he's being held captive by Loretta Devine and her husband, and their zombie in this like very backwoods rural community that doesn't seem like it's ever really left the 1800s where she's kind of like this faith healer who uses hoodoo to heal people and do all these spells and it turns out and he's being held captive like you know, like the guy from misery because they're planning to use him for like some big blood ritual when the moon turns full or something like that and he's trying to figure out some way to escape and also to find his wife and his two kids. And Loretta Devine just keeps tormenting him with different things, including the magic spells. And and, and apparently you can also pull a six-inch uh, spike out of the heel of your foot and still walk on it. That was interesting. And, and it's just, it's, this, this movie, is it, it, it's kind of like, it's like right, it's like teetering right on the precipice between being a genuinely good movie, it's a great-looking movie, 
And at times it's like going, it gets a little too ridiculous. Like how many times I was going to say, I can't tell if you like it or not. I kind of like it because it's one of those weird things where like, it's almost a genuinely good movie and it's almost a genuinely enjoyable, ridiculous movie. So it kind of goes on. uh, It's kind of teetering on it. You do have to get past like the first 15 minutes, which are kind of slow. But it's just it's mainly it's mainly the worth watching for Loretta Devine, who plays the crazy lady who's holding him captive, because she's actually a really good villain. So 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 a movie that you only kind of like made it into your top four. This was a bad year, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Wow. All right, who's next? What's a babysitter uh, sequel made you cry, and you're telling me it's a good year? Hey, you know what? You watch that movie. You you just you you can't judge until you see it. All right, I I defy you not to get a little misty eyed at the end of it. Just a I little. bet I can defy that. I bet you can too. You have no heart. Uh, I, well, actually, after the past two weeks, I'm lucky I have lungs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I feel bad for laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, 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 I've I've spent two two solid weeks spitting up crud like that Velociraptor thing with the frill Jurassic Park. So I'm a little salty. <laughs> I've been cooped up in a bedroom basically trying to stay away from humanity for two for almost ten days. Yeah, after, how does that work? Are you uh, are you still contagious or uh, can you can you go out I, in the world? I, I believe I'm past the contagious point, but I'm also kind of advised to like. I think I think Thursday is the day I'm actually allowed to walk back out into the real world. Yikes! Can't even imagine. I, I oof. And that, and that and that was after having like like three solid weeks at work, where I was working anywhere from ten to sixteen hour days, covering for all the other people who were coming down sick after the outbreak at my job. Did Did they ever consider, even for a moment, possibly shutting you guys down just to you know keep you guys from getting sick? Uh, yeah, that would that would that would require them to actually give a damn if we got sick. Bloody hell! Yeah. <laughs> All right, number number three. I, 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 I might have <laughs> I might have given my version of that Tom Cruise speech at work before I got sick. Who uh, who's doing number three first? Who's going? I'll go. I'll go number three. I actually have a number three to go. Rock on. Um, a movie that no, I've I've seen literally nobody talk about, and um, the people that have talked about it, <laughs> I think I'm in the in the vast vast minority here. Um, but a movie called Smiley Face Killers, um, I really like this movie. It's I didn't get a chance to see it. Damn it, <laughs> nobody has. That's um, the uh, Brett Easton Ellis written one, right? Written by Brett Easton Ellis, directed by uh, Tim Tim Rivers Edge Hunter. Um, it's a really it's I'm sorry, Foy. It's a really slow burn. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a, it. This literally is like the best way to describe it is it's 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 kind of like if a twenty four made a slasher movie, kind of. It's not really a slasher movie, but it it kind of ebbs ebbs right up against it. Um, it's based loosely based or inspired by the like that. It's like it's it's like a it was like a murder theory. Um about it was like these new york detectives came up with this theory to to try and explain like all the real life drownings of like young men um in like all across the country like college age men 
who kind of drown would drown. And um, it was just this freak thing. Like there's a ton of them in Boston and it goes like in real life and it goes all the way up, up, like it goes up coastlines. Um, and you know, it's, it's never been really explained. It's, they're probably not really connected, but these detectives came up with this theory that, you know, it was this sort of cult thing and these people were being sacrificed by, you know, this, this strange cult that had some sort of, you know, belief in, in water, water gods or something. And that, that they had all, they would always find like smiley faces, like not too far from places where the victims were, were found. Um, and that's, that's the real life smiley face murder theory, but the movie, um, it kind of just follows this one kid, this, this college boy, this, this like, he's like a soccer player and you kind of know right from the beginning that he's doomed. It doesn't really tell you, it, it, it doesn't really try and, you know, obfuscate that fact, but it's basically this, this, this college kid who, and, and you're kind of following him for his final days. And, um, it's basically he gets he's kind of getting stalked. You see, like, kind of like it, it's it's very John Carpentery to start. Like, there's this just kind of like he's walking somewhere to class or somewhere else, and and there's like a a van following him, or there's a shadowy figure kind of walking around in the background that's that's watching him, and it kind of ramps up and escalates from there, and. So it's another movie that I think would have gotten an F cinema score. It's just is it's it's really really slow. You follow this one character and his friends, but but primarily just him, and and then when it escalates, it does so with just this this just incredibly graphic violence that just is so jaw dropping that it's kind of like oh my god, um, and the last twenty five minutes or so are just kind of outrageous they're they're really insane um crispin glover is in it in 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 disfigured makeup um i won't say what his part is but um he shows up very small part but it's um god it's if if you're if you if you're willing to be patient and go along with a movie that is not necessarily in a hurry to get to where it's going but has a really great sense of dread through it and some really really incredible imagery um to go with it i highly recommend it it's it's a movie that is just getting fucking killed and i'm not quite sure i understand why other than it's slow um, and kind of contemplative, but you know, if that's your thing, if you can roll with that, absolutely check it out. I, I, I loved it. I've watched it twice and I haven't watched much twice this year, but, um, I think it's really, really good. And I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be on the, on the lone, on the lone defender side of it. Um, cause I have a couple friends of mine that have also got to watch it on my recommendation and gotten back to me and been like, holy crap, that is really good. Um, so I know I'm onto something and, and I think like, if that sounds like your bag, then check it out. Cause it's, it's, it's definitely worth, worth seeing. Depending on how late we go tonight recording, I may watch that this evening. Well, there you go. I, I, it's totally worth it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely sold. I'll check it out now. I I hadn't seen it. I, I kind of avoided it to be honest um, because I had heard you know mixed things, but this definitely uh, sells me on it. I'll I'll check it out soon. Yeah, and 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 I kind of understand the mixed things, but I I I think that it is one of those movies that I I just think everybody should see for themselves because there's definitely a lot in there that makes it worthwhile at least to see for yourself. Yeah. All right, Paul. What's your number three? Uh, my love and three was our, uh, my number three was talked about quite a bit earlier. It's love and monsters. Um, so I'll try to be very brief. Um, I love this movie. I agree with everything that y'all said. It speaks very, very specifically to the things I love. Um, it's a big in scope, um, big monster film that has like a ton of heart. Um, I'm a real sucker for dogs in movies, and this is very much a boy and his dog movie. Um, you know, he, he meets up with the dog really early on and then the dog is sort of his companion on this journey. Um, it's one of those movies where characters walk in and out of the story because it's, you know, he's kind of meeting different people. Um, it's got Michael Rooker in a, uh, in a role that's not a very un-Michael Rookery, um, because he's super kind and sort of not the usual gruff. Uh, kind of version of himself. Um, it's the kind of $30 million mid-budget studio movie that we always kind of say, oh, they don't make those anymore, and we really wish we had more of them. And I, I'm sad this movie came out during pandemic year because I wish it had had an opportunity to find a really big theatrical audience, and I think it would have been a great theater movie. Um, I've And I showed it to my kids. My kids adore it. So it's a movie, I, you know, it's a little bit edgy. For, and my kids are a little bit more avert, like able to watch, you know, action-y horror stuff. Um, but they, they've already begged to watch it again and again. So I think it has a, a wide reach um, for its audience. Um, yeah, I just really, really love it. I, I want everyone to watch this movie. Uh, one of three uh, Brian Duffield written films this year. Um, guy did a great job this year. And the, the third one is another one I would talk about. But uh, yeah, this was just one of my favorite movies of the year. And if you haven't yeah, seen it yet, I, check it out. I, I will say one thing. Wasn't wasn't this originally supposed to be a theatrical release? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I'm just going to say one thing. As much as I liked it, that movie would have died a quick death at the box office. It, yeah. It was, that was I not think the title, happen. yeah, I, I agree that the title isn't really the right. It, it doesn't it it doesn't quite sell what it is too. Like it 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 doesn't do a great job of putting itself out there and letting people know what kind of movie it is. Which is also true of another movie written by Brian Duffield. I think <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of the guy has not. You know, he had four movies out this year, and I, I'm not sure if any of them were marketed properly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. I was just listening to the uh, the newest episode of uh, Callers of the Dark, the uh, the sort of what became of Shockwaves, I think, uh, podcast, and they had an interview with him. And uh, it's funny hearing how he had all these movies come out in the course of one year, and yet uh, it, it, it was all completely accidental. You know, it, it just so happened that they were all released in 2020 when in fact they were meant to be released in 17, 18, 19, all these various years. But, um, yeah, no, I, I really dug love and monsters. It just didn't quite make my top 10. Um, my number three is the invisible man. Uh, we, we've already talked at length about it. I'll keep it brief. Uh, it's also one of the last movies I caught in theaters before things went to hell. I, I used to watch a lot of movies in the theater. Um, 
this movie is kind of perfect to me. Uh, Foy, don't hate me. Uh, I think the film that it sets out to be, it just fucking nails. Uh, I think it's really interesting updating on that character. Mostly, I just think it was such a great way to tackle a universal monster uh, in the modern day by really sort of grounding the story with with the victim of the piece. You know, uh, um, it's a much smarter movie than I was expecting. Of course, it's incredibly well made. I mean, just the level of craft in the movie, I think, is really marvelous. Uh, and I think it's all anchored by one of the best performances of last year. I think Elizabeth Moss was incredible in it. And I can't wait to see what Winnell does next, whether it be another universal monster movie. I'm very curious to see if this gets any sort of sequel. But um but yeah, yeah, I'm on board, whatever it is. And that's it. That's all I have to say about The Invisible Man. Fiend. Holy shit, you all have left me. I'm still here. What, what happened? <laughs> Where did everybody go? I'm pouring another scotch. There Holy we go. Sh- <laughs> the end of these lists. It's a very No, I'm, I'm waiting for Foy. Does, Foy. does Foy have a number three, or are we... Uh... I think Foy leaves every time I speak. Okay. Let's, no, let's... No, no. I'm actually muting myself quite often because I'm still coughing. That's, I'm not super talkative. I'm saving my voice because I'm still kind of a little scratchy throat congestion leftovers. From... But uh, let's see. Number three. What, 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 what have I have that I've watched that I haven't mentioned yet? Uh, the Pale Door. That sucked. Uh, uh, Fear Farm. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't very good, but Wait, I, what? I will take uh, Fear Farm. How the hell? I've never even heard of it. H-A-R-M. Uh, it was a, a direct-to-video VOD movie. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. yeah. It's only worth noting because it has one of the most ridiculous plot twists of the year. Because it's another one of these movies about a bunch of people. You, this is a common problem also with a lot of horror movies. Not just this year, but just lately. It's like... It's one thing to make the characters unlikable. You still have to have some reason to sympathize or root for them. But instead, they just keep making people. The, the heroes of the film are always like too, far too often just aggressively unlikable assholes. Just constantly. Just, and that's the problem that this movie has. But then the plot twist of the whole thing is like, hey, we're going to this really super scary interactive uh, uh uh, haunted corn maze attraction for Halloween. And then it turns out, and of course, hey, guess what? The people there running it are actually killing some of the people. But then it turns out the reason why is because when you go to the corn maze, you have to pass through some sort of scanner. And when they find out you have so- some sort of thing in your DNA that they want to take your skin and turn you into a skin cream that they sell on the side because it's run by a family that's somewhere half between Texas Chainsaw Massacre and MIT Psychopaths. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's only Bizarre. worth noting because, because, yeah, because of the plot twist is just like, what the hell? So, <laughs> yeah. So, so instead, how about I bring up, uh, let's see, that, that wasn't worth mentioning. I was going to say, depending on how late we go tonight with recording, I will probably not watch that movie. <laughs> uh, blame you. Gonna skip Fear Farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Far P H A R M. Get it? Farm pharmaceutical. Waka waka waka. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna mention one that I have issues with, but I really like parts of it. But it's also a pale comparison to the movie it preceded, and that is Train to Busan presents Peninsula. Mm. I really wanted to see that just because I love the original. Yeah, the the problem is don't expect the original. 
that, that, but they also did something I've never seen before in a, that I can think of in a zombie movie where they said to themselves, let's go a little more Fury Road. Because you don't really see that many zombie movies that have this much vehicular damage going on. Hmm. Because a large chunk of the movie feels like they were more influenced by Fast and Furious. Because they're going down the streets of this deserted city, constantly having these high-speed chases. And part of the catch is, can we figure out ways to get hordes of zombies to like cause vehicles to wreck? <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. I've never yeah. seen Train to Busan, so... <laughs> The first was that a was that a a belch? Uh, That that was a that was a gas. Let let me see if I can replicate that because honestly, I kind of scared myself a little bit there. Uh, I don't I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, No, Train to Busan, Feeny is fucking fantastic. It's one of the best zombie movies in ages. It's great. Here's here's the issue with Peninsula. It runs like two hours and like fifteen minutes. It should have been ninety nine minutes tops. Yeah. Because it, it does that same thing where it's like, like, like the thing I complained about with Blood Quantum, where it falls into the cliches. And in this one, the whole idea, it's, it's basically, it starts out as a zombie heist movie. Because it's, it's after the events of the original film, and most of the Korean peninsula is now basically deserted under quarantine. There's a handful of survivors still behind but some people like know where there's a truck filled with like millions of dollars and they want to sneak in and steal it. But the problem is the place is still overrun with zombies. And there's also this one military brigade that got left behind during all of this. And they've been surviving and they've taken over the place. They're kind of in a way sort of like uh, like like the villains from a Mad Max movie. And they're all trying to figure and they're. And they and they like take people's prisoners and force them to compete in some sort of death game where they have to like fight zombies in like a, an arena pit. So then you have this. So then you have this weird element of like, oh, we're watching zombie like MMA fights happening. And, that, and then we have then we have Sold. the gun battle. Yeah, and then we have this, and then we have all of these vehicular wrecks going on. And then all of that, they try to throw in some of the emotional stuff from the original movie, and it's like, it's like, no, guys, that don't work this time. You're making a total yeah. over-the-top B movie. Stop trying to get sentimental. <laughs> so I, I, I would say it's it's an it's nowhere near in the same level as the original film, but it is entertaining. But you might be tempted to fast forward through a couple of scenes where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. You're sad. Move on. <laughs> and you love each other i don't care get back to like get back to fighting zombies and like yeah. crash the things with your vehicles and have over the top seen soul station the uh the animated prequel mm-hmm. i did and they go all i didn't like the animation style no i got you i think it's still on shutter i've been meaning to check it out all right, number two. And, and for the record, I, I think I know what Feeney's going to say, and if it is, it's my number two as well. Or is it, or is it your number one? I might just, I might just switch it so we can talk, so we can talk about it. But let, but, but let's uh, let 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 uh, let Paul and and Jinx go first. Okay. Paul, All right. are you there? Oh. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah, I can go. Uh, so my number two. Um, so this one, 
again, was a bigger movie. A lot of people saw it. Um, some people loved it. Some people hated it. But it speaks right to my uh, a proclivity for I, I'm a big comedy guy. I love I just love comedies and I, I love horror. I love when the two mix. Um, I know that's not for everybody. And uh, this came from a director that had already done this before. Um, and I love those other two movies that he made. So um, my number two uh, is Freaky by Christopher Landon. Oh, nice. I don't know what people's thoughts on that one are. Actually, that was on my list too. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's oh, great. Great. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I had, it's weird. I, I, I'd been talking about this on another couple places and I've, I've like, some people are like, what you love that. And anyway, I, I really loved it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm a big fan of happy death day. Um, I like happy death day to you as well, even though that one's not really horror. Um, but I just love the sensibility that Landon has towards his characters and how he weaves comedy into horror scenarios and genre scenarios. Um, and this one leaned much harder into the horror <laughs> than Happy Death Day did. Um, it was much more of a hard yes. R, uh, which I actually really appreciated and I think worked really, really well, particularly in the opening sequence. Um, I got a real teenagers... kick out of, Vin, you know, seeing Vince Vaughn and it was Vince Vaughn like doing yeah. doing basically Kane Hodder. Yeah, um, yeah. was a real yeah. was really kind of neat to just. Just to see, like, oh, that's Vince Vaughn, but he's. Li-. It was a real. It was a real like worlds are colliding moment. Just, just being like, oh, you know, it used to be you get like a stuntman to do this stuff because nobody else would would do it, and now it's like horror movies are so cool that yeah. you've got Vince Vaughn in a mask walking around <laughs> doing his best Kane Hodder. It was just kind yeah. of a, a a cool cultural moment to to kind of see how far the genres come. I totally agree. Um, and he did a great job, you know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and he, and he was great at both sides of that coin. You know, he's, he's great when he has to be that Kane Hodder character. And he's also great when he has to be like a 16 year old girl. Um, and that stuff was, you know, equally entertaining. Um, you know, just his, his mannerisms, the way he runs, <laughs> you know, yeah, away from things, it's just so hilarious. Good. Um, and it came at a time you know, it came after this horrific year <laughs> and I got once it hit VOD and I rented it with my wife and we just kind of sat down with a few drinks and watched it. And it was just such a nice escape. You know, it was it was the best kind of horror comedy um, that played to everything I like about those sorts of movies. Really funny scenarios it had heart. Um, so, yeah, it just at the end of the day, this was one of the most pleasurable experiences I had watching uh, a horror movie this year or something that falls under the genre lens. And I, I got to elevate it towards the top of my list. Yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot too. Um, I think Vince Vaughn's great. I mean, I'm a huge Vince Vaughn fan. So the, so like, I, I mean, I was kind of primed to love it. Um, I love Christopher Landon. I, I mean, I love the original happy death day is one of my, yeah, uh, one of my all time favorites uh, of the last couple of years. Um, the sequel, you know, the, the thing for me was that, um, you talked earlier, you guys talked earlier about how the babysitter two, whatever, I forget what it's called. I, I'm sorry, but, um, <laughs> how it, how it retroactively made the first film better. And I think for me, the, the problem with the second one, you know, wasn't really anything uh, really with the movie, but I thought it made the, the first movie retroactively worse. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the sense that to me, the most powerful aspect of the, the first movie, um, and I did say powerful because one of the things I really liked about it was the message at the end, which to me, the message at the end of happy death day was, you know, we curse ourselves. We give our, we are, we, we are our karma and mm-hmm. you know, the, the, what we, what we put into the world like uh, affects us. And if, if it's negative, if it's relentless negativity, then, then that's what brings us down and keeps us mired. And, yeah. you know, watching tree kind of having, having to learn that and navigate out of it, um, was something that I really, I walked out of that going, damn, like that was, a, the, you know, I really responded to, to the, the, that, that aspect of the movie. And then the second one being like, it was all a science experiment. Like it just kind of, <laughs> it kind of really pissed me off in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, guess I was that. like, I appreciated the eightiesness of it and what it was going for. So it's not like it, it, you know, but it just did, it didn't hit me that, that same way, even though it had a lot of kind of sweet moments on its own. But, um. I think what I think freaky feels more to me like the spiritual successor to the original Happy Death Day because yeah. it does sort of tap back into um, you know a different thing like identity and sort of being comfortable with who you are and how that is a hard fucking thing sometimes um, and you know it just it had a real sweetness to it but it also had that sincerity to it and um, what struck me too was like you're watching it and you realize like they really don't make teen teen movies anymore. You know, just, just seeing a movie with young teenagers as characters in a modern setting. Um, and I'm watching it and I'm like, man, they don't, this is a genre that is sort of just the teen movie has sort of been phased out or it's gone. I don't know where it's gone. I I'm just, I'm not seeing the films anymore. I mean, I I'm like, wow, there was book smart and then this, and where, where, where have these types of movies gone? They just seem to be kind of extinct. And it made me long for kind of a resurgence of just those types of movies because it it did, you know, I don't know. I like that youthful sort of energy that it had. Yeah, I agree. And I think as great as Vince Vaughn was, I thought Catherine Newton was was great, too, and very funny and, you know, very, very strong and amusing. I've seen some real nitpicks like, you know, why doesn't when when she is the killer, like, why doesn't she you know vince vaughn know how to put makeup on or whatever but it's just like yeah i mean you can nitpick that stuff but i mean it's 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 an enjoyable film and and i think it it's i don't know it's 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 a type of movie i would like to see more of yeah i it didn't make my top 10 but i thought it was a blast uh had a lot of fun with it it was actually maybe weirdly enough one of the most therapeutic viewings of a movie i had last year simply because uh I had to, <laughs> I was up north for a bit, and a buddy of mine uh, from back in the day I used to work with in a movie theater, he runs his own theater now, and uh, I don't know, man, all 2020, I've been in self-quarantine, I don't go in the stores, I don't really go out anywhere, I have groceries and whatnot delivered to me, like, I, I just, I, I, I've tried to stay away from the, uh, the, 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 the masses as best I can, and that means no movies, no nothing, basically, but, uh, when I was up there, he offered, he was like, you know, he was like, we're closed for two days in a row. We sanitize all the auditoriums. You want to come in after hours, just, you know, I'll stay back, we'll wear a mask or whatever, and you can watch whatever you want, whatever we're playing. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, dear, dear God, please. And so for the first time in, at that time, it was eight months, I had not stepped foot inside of a movie theater. And so I went in, I sat in the auditorium. Once he was gone, I pulled the mask off and it was, it was, it was honestly, I swear to you, therapy. Like I, I hadn't felt as good as I had in that moment watching 
trailers unspool in front of me on a big screen. And so honestly, it probably wouldn't have mattered what the movie was at that point. But the fact that it was like this lighthearted slasher movie was just all the better. So I, I, I think the movie's always going to kind of weirdly hold a special place in my heart for that alone, if that makes any sense. But, uh, yeah, I dug it. I, I dug that. I love happy death day. I hope the, uh, you know, the, the weirdly rumored, or maybe it's just fans hoping for it, but, uh, you know, I would I would watch a crossover between those two. I love the creepy duck design poster, Freaky Death Day. You know, that was got really my fingers good. crossed. That was that. really good. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, I'm just hoping yeah. to see the tree character again. I don't want that character left off with Happy Death Day to you, which I did enjoy, but the, the, the character story is not finished. You know, and if you're going to start as strong as you did with Happy Death Day, then give her a conclusion of sorts. You know, if that has to be a crossover, so be it. Yeah, I wonder, like, I don't know, I wonder what freaky, like, this, I mean, it's it's that tough thing, because it's like, yeah, it came out in the pandemic, it's like, I, I don't know if it was, if it, I don't even know how studios quantify, like, was that a success by their standards or not, like, you know, it's like, you put it out in, in a time when no one's going to the movies, like, um, yeah, I just, I don't know how they, how they chalk that up, you know, I don't know if we would get another one, but I'd be down. I wonder if they'll ever put that, not to go too far astray, but I wonder if we'll ever get that sort of info released to the public. Like, for example, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. You know, in one way, it looks like that movie likely lost, you know, 100 or $200 million for the studio that surely expected it to be this big summer blockbuster. But if its release on HBO Max on Christmas Day equaled God knows how many subscriptions to HBO Max coming through for them right before that movie premiered, then maybe it all balances for them on some level. But uh, I just wonder if we'll ever know that sort of stuff. I wonder if we'll ever know what Netflix's rankings will be once, uh, you know, who knows if movie theaters go away, will we have a, uh, (laughs) a home box office top 10 list of what the best streams were for the week. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's funny because the year 2020 was, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get into it um, publicly, but I mean like Foy knows, like I've gone through, there's been so many things this year where I've just had like, I I don't know, like, you know, in the, in terms of like a movie, like your character arc, like I, I have sort of had so many like realizations and sort of like changes to who I am this year, just because of the, pandemic and and the lockdown and seeing you know people that i know like lose their minds or whatever um and it's just been like it's been a really it's been a fucking just weird ass year but one of the things anecdotally that ties into this conversation was um i have two kids i know paul has kids um and i i don't get out to the movies as much anymore and i i wish I could go to see everything, but I, I just, I can't, it's the way it is. Um, I, I would maybe in a, in a normal year, I was averaging like maybe one movie a month, um, where I would kind of like after, after work on a Thursday, I would go with a couple friends, like have some dinner and then go catch a movie and, you know, nice look, something to look forward to really fun. My mindset was always, um, give me the, the slightly more expensive option to VOD something first um, you know, day and date with theater. And I, I'll, I'll happily do that. And I still kind of feel that way, but, um, watching the way that the general public had, had kind of had reacted to wonder woman 84, whether or not you like the movie or not. Um, the fact that I was literally the day it came out on Christmas day, watching everybody fucking watch it, but, but half watch it, 
or watch it at 40% capacity going, <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm, true. I'm, I'm fucking 10 minutes in. Does it get better? I mean, uh, and it was just like, you fucking mouth-breathing fucking chumps. <laughs> it's like, either either yeah. watch the movie, and then and then if you hate it, that's fine. But you, but mm-hmm. I, at least I know you watched it. But like the and and what what blew my mind even further was that I can I can name, and I'm not going to, but I can name five or six people specifically who who when when you know when the word came out that like Warner Brothers was dumping movies on on HBO Max for a year, four or five. Uh, four or five or six people. I'm, I'm trying to. I, I don't want to name them, but like these people that were literally that was the end of the world. That was the apocalypse. Nobody. Well, sure, let's just treat movies like a disposable commodity. Let's just disrespect the artist's vision. Let's just fucking say fuck it all and just make it into useless junk. You're gonna forget those very same people couldn't watch a two hour, two and a half hour movie without gracing us with their amazing insights every four or five minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's and sad. I was just like, and it, and it made me go, okay, you know, you're, you are not, you have showed me that you actually cannot, you need a theater because you can't sit and watch a movie. You, you actually cannot do it. You yeah. can't, you can't resist all the temptations. You know, you can't resist that dopamine hit of getting fucking six likes on a, oh, they didn't have fireworks back then or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's just like, it's like, gee, thanks for, you know, I'm glad, I'm sure Patty Jenkins is really glad you, you unplugged your fucking attention for the three minutes you had to, you had to give us that glorious nugget of humor, you know, in my Twitter feed. And it's just like, it really made me go. No, maybe, maybe culturally we can't let movie theaters fall because, because, because they maybe all that projection of Warner Brothers is going to reduce all their crap to junk. Maybe that was a projection, and maybe what you're saying is you literally can't. You're afraid that like if if that's how you access movies, then you're just going to snark your way through every movie and and watch everything at half attention from here on out. And and it just really was like wow, like. People don't have any self-awareness. Um, and, and that's not to say there are certain people I know that like were like, I'm never going to watch this movie and, you know, I'm watching it and I'm going to do that thing and whatever. But but that's different than like the tried and true cynists who really like who who will fight tooth and nail to defend the, the theatrical experience um, who just the instant it goes out the window, it goes all out the window for them. Kind of just blew my mind. Yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, I, I'm somebody is like, if there's something happening in a movie that I'm watching at home that's ridiculous to me, I was like, I'll tweet about it while it's happening. But I saw so many of these people who were doing that, and it's like, aren't you the people who usually scold everyone for doing that? Yes, it was. I couldn't believe it, and it was like literally an apocalypse of of lacking awareness. Where I was just like, they these people don't even realize that they have become the bad guys in the span of one I, two I, and a half hours. You know what? You know what? I, I came to a realization. When, when I've said that this was not a good year for cinema for a variety of reasons, I think I have the one thing that proves it. At no point did you see anybody on tw- on, on social media like they do every year screaming about worse lists. I know. I, I, I know. Even, even they're like, you know what? It's not really defending this year. It's not, it's not Either that or they just figured like, you know what? We just spent all year. still. Uh, we spent 365 days ripping on cats. And Veronica. <laughs> There's no point for us trying to make this argument this year. 
It just all went out the window. Now, I, I, I remember somebody was announcing that they were going to uh, posting our top 10 best list. And I was just like, what's the point this year? I know. <laughs> everything everything kind of went out the Even when you were talking about us doing this show, I was just like, really? Is there any? <laughs> they're, they're getting ready to, I saw articles that they're getting ready to announce the Golden Globe Awards. And I'm just like, who fucking cares? <laughs> everything went out the window. It's like, how I can't movies would even them. qualify. Is there a chance that Unhinged will win like a best Oscar, like for best film Oscar? Like, I, I will Elizabeth Moss take uh, take That'd be best fantastic. Actress? I mean, maybe this is the year the genre sweeps. <laughs> yeah, but don't you think that anybody who wins, there's going to be like that asterisk next to them, like, but would they have won in a normal year? Yeah. You know, the Marissa yeah. Tomei of Oscars. Yeah, exactly. She deserved it. <laughs> nominees for best picture are some art house movie you wouldn't even watch for free streaming also <laughs> art house movie you didn't even watch for free streaming yeah. three mank which half the people watching hated just because <laughs> good god Pixar soul why not Birds of Prey, which became a cultural, uh, a, 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 another notch in the culture war for some damn reason. Yeah. Yeah, for the life of me, I, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie, but then I took to Twitter and I was like, oh my, yeah, it was the same thing with fucking Joker. Like, it, it seemed like the expectation on social media was that you could like one or the other, and I was like, I, I like them both. I enjoyed I, the hell out of both. It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird time for discourse because it's like I watched Birds of Prey and I was like I was completely entertained. Like I I I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. it yeah, it, me too. You know, I found it to be completely worth, um, you know, worth a night. You know, to 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 watch it. And then and it's and I saw it like when it came out on Blu-ray. So like I it was like three months of toxic discourse, and I was just like. How, why, why do we, not us, but like culturally, the royal we, like, why do we allow everything to be a fucking culture war? It's just, it's so, it's so makes me sick. Like, why was that movie? That movie is the most non-controversial movie I've ever seen. It's a little, it's a little aloof, low, small scale comic movie with, with some gore. It has no, it has nothing to do culturally with anything. It's just, it's, you know, you either have fun with it or you just, you, you don't. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's just, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. It's just one of those movies you're either going, you like it, you don't like it, but it's like, there's nothing there to get mad about. No. Right. Unless there's there is. There's, there's, <laughs> there's there and apparently there was. It's like, yeah, I, I see this so often. It's like these movies are like, like, I don't know why you're yelling about this movie because one, there's nothing really there to get mad about one way or another. You're mad about other things and you're projecting it onto this film yeah. you were, that yeah. none of you are even going to remember you saw a year from now. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. I think we, I think we stepped over somebody's number two here. All right, we're uh, Paul. Did we do your number two? We, uh, we did his. We did mine. Okay. Uh, I are we on the me or Feeny? Yeah, I think so. I think we're on you. All right. Uh, my number two is a movie that honestly, when I was doing a rundown of the films that even came out last year, I had I had forgotten the damned film hit in 2020. It blew my mind because it felt like I saw it like a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but Collar Out of Time 
is my number two. Uh, Richard Stanley's Color Lovecraft out, out of space. Color out of space. Color out of space. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have one. It, it was so good he doesn't remember the title. I, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm going from uh, hastily jotted notes that I made. You, you want to see my top ten list written here. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, that's a space. Um, I, look, I have chicken scratches for handwriting. You're going to have to forgive me. Richard Stanley's Color Out of Space, I think, is just fucking phenomenal. Uh, I It blows my mind that he was able to be out of the feature filmmaking game for like a quarter of a century and then come back with what is arguably his best film. Uh, that's maybe one of the most inspiring things I saw in movies last year. Um, just forgetting everything else, forgetting how beautiful I think the movie is or how great the performances are. And yes, I think Nicholas Cage is actually fucking great in the movie. Uh, I, I think it's hands down the best Lovecraft adaptation I've ever seen. Uh, it it better than any other film I've seen ever completely nails the feeling of what it's like to read Lovecraft's work to me anyway. No other Lovecraft adaptation has done that for me, even the ones that I really like. And um, I think that's fair. I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I just I I I'll, I'll keep it short and simple. I I I can't that, wait to see. That's what also, that's also because almost every Lovecraft adaptation always takes extreme liberties with everything. <laughs> yeah, they do story-wise, certainly, but they it seems like there is never an honest-to-God attempt at nailing the tone, which is the one thing, yeah. I'm beyond the mythos, that you should want to try and grip and grapple with. And it, it's I, – I mean, I, look, I love Stuart Gordon. I do. But the humor that he brings into, like, say, uh, Reanimator or um, – uh, from beyond like that's 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 not lovecraft you know it's i love those movies and i i wouldn't change the thing about them but you know i to get that lovecraftian feeling you have to go to movies that aren't really lovecraft movies uh i mean as far as bigger yeah. movies maybe carpenters uh in the mouth of madness uh even though it has nothing to do with uh maybe elder gods or you know uh, uh outer space deities or anything of the sort but something like uh Oh, God, the Peter Weir film. Um, oh, fucking hell. Uh, I can't believe I forgot the name. Richard Chamberlain. Damn it. Somebody help me out. Um, oh, um, uh, not Picnic at Hanging Rock, right? No. no, 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 no. Oh, oh, um, uh, the, la- uh, the, the last, the last, the last, yeah. The last way. Okay. So that to me really kind of nails the tone of like a lot of Lovecraft stuff, you know, just that kind of creeping dread in the sense that there's something that laid just beyond our reality uh, or just beyond our knowledge, you know, that, that it just dwarfs us, you know, I, it, I have a question for you. Oh, please. Um, Cause I, I like the color uh, out of space a lot. Um, and I, I love Nicolas Cage a lot. I didn't love him in this. And for me, I thought, he was doing the, you know, what do you call it? Novu shamanic, shamanic. Yeah, I, I think, uh, in a Fangoria interview he did once with Chris Alexander, he called it mega acting. Uh, <laughs> I, I just found in this particular film, which I thought, like for example, I had, I loved his performance. Just recent Nick Cage, like I thought he was brilliant in Mandy. I thought he was even better in Mom and Dad, which is a movie that I I love. I love both of those movies actually. Um, I found him. I thought he didn't connect with me in this, and I thought I found his performance forced in a way, and I didn't think that the farmer dad guy should be so weird and just so aloof. Um, 
but I don't know. Maybe I missed something, or maybe I'm just. I, I it just it didn't land for me, and I wanted it to. So I, I, it's interesting that you you started off by saying that he was great. So I, I was. Well, to to me, it seems like Cage has kind of two modes. Like when he wants, if you look at something like Leaving Las Vegas, or even um, I'm thinking of the David Gordon Green movie from not that long ago, Joe. Oh, Joe, yes, yes. he can rein it in, and he can be completely natural and like oh, yeah. realistic. Or he can he can he can go big, and he can go crazy, and he can take those big swings that you know when they connect, like my God, they're knockouts, and when they don't, like he kind of falls on his face, and he seems kind of fearless in that way. What I love about the Colorado Space is that he does both. And they both make sense within the world of the story. Um, you know, when we first meet him, he just he doesn't seem like Nicolas Cage playing a normal guy. He just seems like a normal guy. But I love that they set that idea up early on when he is making fun of his father, who obviously kind of looms large in his memory. Uh, and he has kind of that weird sort of stuffy borderline, uh, oh, kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like the, uh, fuck, is it mid-Atlantic or transatlantic accent? You know, that was so... Um, it's very nasally uh, voice. Like, well, not that, that not even that. Perhaps. Right, right. But you know, so when he's poking fun at his father and he's kind of doing a riff on his father's voice, his father's accent, it, it, it's meant to be lampooning him. But then later on in the movie, once he's obviously being affected by whatever the hell it is that landed in his backyard, that's obviously changing him. And so he kind of becomes that own weird projection of who his father was. And I love that that kind of allows him to play big. And instead of it being to me anyway, instead of it being cartoony, the bigger and bigger he goes, the more and more kind of dread inducing it is like the, 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 I don't think he ever goes cartoony, but the, the, the bigger that performance gets, it's just more like, okay, this is, this is a guy who's kind of like losing his humanity a bit, you know? And obviously, I mean, that kind of manifests itself with what starts to happen to him, like body horror wise, um, later on in the movie. And it's interesting then to see once he kind of has to wrestle with the fact that his body is breaking down too, and strange things are happening to it and uh, forgetting what happens to his family, especially in the attic, which is fucking nightmare fuel if there ever was. Um, but to see him sort of, shift back and forth between who we saw him as initially, which is who he is. And then who he keeps slipping into, which is those memories of his father and just kind of leaping back and forth. I just, I, 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 I imagine so many other actors would have played it safe and I love mm-hmm. that he didn't. And to me, it completely paid off, but I, but at the same time, you know, I remember we're talking about like Twitter discourse. I remember when the movie first hit Blu-ray and everyone was going on and on about his performance and how it didn't work for them. I completely get it. If somebody said that that performance pulled them out of the movie, I completely understand. Oh, but for whatever reason, like it, it just gripped me, man. Well, now, now that I know that I agree with film Twitter, I need to correct myself. To make sure that I but um, no, that, that but no, that was a really nice explanation, and I thank you for indulging me because I, I that's that's exactly what I wanted. I I because it, it's the thing is like I I love Cage, and uh, and so when I was watching it, I was like. Very rarely do his performances. Not I don't watch everything. Like I didn't see that movie that Foy mentioned earlier, but um. But very rarely do, do, do his performances not click for me. So it was it, it sort of made me go, you know, I was like, am, am I missing something? So it's great. Like, I will rewatch it because I, I, I did like it and I own it um, because I liked it that much. But so I will rewatch it with that perspective. And uh, I thank you for that. It's a very interesting take on it. Yep. 
I'd be curious have, to see have you what ever seen, uh, Have you ever seen uh, that, that Left Behind movie he did where he barely ever... I think he had it written in his contract, like, I'll stand in two scenes, but otherwise I'm only going to be shot from the waist up sitting. <laughs> I, uh, I I will say as far as Cage goes, I'm enjoying the hell out of uh, the history of swear words on Netflix right now. It's a blast. No, I haven't seen it. And I, I just want to say real quick about Colorado Space. I also really like that one. And, I, and I'm just going to say one thing, and that is the, the reveal of the two family members on the couch. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I... Um... Yeah, I, I adore that movie. It's one of my favorites, too. And the only reason it's on my list is for me, like, it counted on last year's list because I saw it in the theaters last year. I saw it in 2019. But I know it didn't hit, like, blue or, like, wide release until this year, I guess. But that's why it was on my last year's list. So I do really? love that okay. movie. I remember I even um, looked it up. It's on I... a lot of, it's weird. It's a weird movie because it's been, it ex- it's existed for a long time, but it didn't get, like, I guess a big release. I know it didn't hit Blu-ray until this year, but, um, but yeah, so I, that's my sort of explanation for why it's not on my list, but I do love that movie. It's one of my, I absolutely adore that film. I, th- I, I, I'm with you, Jinx. I think Cage is giving a inspired performance. I, I, I love, I, I agree that the way he brings up his father early in the film and how he slowly transitions into that character, uh, is key especially once sort of the the light hits the color itself the titular color uh and and his mannerisms begin to slowly change and adapt based on what the other characters are doing what, what i really love about that movie and how it pertains to sort of lovecraft's writing um is that each character is sort of losing their mind and heading into lunacy in their own sort of narrative and they're all sort of existing separately from one another. So like Cage's descent into madness is different than his son's, which is different than his daughter's. And they're all happening parallel to one another. And time is, is sort of lost in that equation. And the effect of watching the movie while those things are happening is just as disorienting. Um, And I think that sort of gives credence to why Cage can act the way he does and it still works. I will say it draws odd laughter, right? But that levity kind of informs the insanity that's happening. So, you know, you're, you're kind of caught off guard by it, but it's also disturbing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, different people are going to take different things away from it. And some people, it doesn't work for everybody. But for for me, it's it's a classic. I love that film. Yeah, I can't. Has there ever been a, oh, there been a horror movie? Has there ever been a horror movie where a well figures heavily into the plot where something bad didn't happen? (laughs) I I I can't think of a good well. Uh, Maybe a wishing well. (laughs) It's like if there's a well in a horror movie, something bad is going to happen. Somebody's going down or something's already down there. It's coming out of it. You know, kids crawling out of it. (laughs) No one can ever just go to the well and get water and not have something bad happen. (laughs) So, think, and Stanley uh, has what uh, Dunwich Horror coming up next, and then an as yet unnamed third Lovecraft film. So I just yeah, yeah they're, I like they're doing that. a Lovecraft sort of connected universe with him. So that I, I like that. I like that a lot. 
I love Richard Stanley. I and I'm so glad that he's gotten this sort of it, it took too damn long, like twenty five years, but I'm glad that when he came back he was sort of welcomed warmly by everyone. You know, it's kind of justice at long last for him, I think. Yeah. He's gonna yeah. work with Val Kilmer again. Because <laughs> <laughs> in that case, just film the behind the scenes and you have the real horror movie. I actually want that. I want that movie. Um, I, I didn't even know that movie was on Blu-ray, The Island of Dr. Moreau, until recently. But I actually want that just because of, like, a, just another one I have fond memories of watching in the, in the theater. Yeah, I, I, I don't I hate it. Why that movie works is because the train wreck behind the scene bleeds onto the screen. Yes, it does. Yes. Yep. yep. Because you have, you have Marlon Brando, who's actually giving – people made fun of Marlon Brando's performance, but it's like – you have a legitimately insane person pretending to play a character who's legitimately insane. <laughs> it kind of balances itself out. And, and then you have and then you have Val Kilmer, who apparently, by all accounts, also decided to go insane on the film, <laughs> playing a completely deranged asshole in the film. And it's like, I, I, I think the, uh, I forget the name of the actor who was playing the main character. It's like Richard Thulis. Thulis. David Thulis. Yeah. David. I don't think he was acting by most of that movie. I think he was <laughs> acting to the fact that I'm surrounded by crazy people. <laughs> yeah, I got to watch it again. It was uh, it, it was a trip in the theaters just because, like, I, I had heard something about it being a mess. And, and it was a packed audience, genuinely, like, wall-to-wall people. And and just watching them turn on the movie was in a, in a movie that's fucking insane. It was a pretty special experience. <laughs> Yeah, that that actually is true. It's like it's so rare that you go to a movie and it's like there's an enthusiastic crowd, and by the by the end they've completely turned on the movie entirely. Yeah, because I, I remember Spawn. Everybody oh, yeah. the opening night of Spawn, and everybody was lined up, and they were like, "This is going to be the movie that like kills all those shitty Batman movies." Oh, it's going to be so awesome! And then by the end, it was a funeral. It was like people just like watched the family member died and said goodbye that night. That was my first <laughs> midnight movie ever. And also, and the other one I always remember: Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh god! Oh god! Everybody yeah. Rowdy and movie, and I'm surprised that theater didn't get burned to the ground by the time it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Booing! Yeah, that was ring. rough. <laughs> um. All right, who's two? Who's got who's two is left? Is it just me and Foy? Did, did you you gave a two, right, Jenks? Yes, yeah. Okay. So this this is like this is my last one, and then Foy's. So we're tied on the hunt. We're putting the hunt way up there. Ah, uh, nice. Um, go ahead. I'll let Feeny talk about it, but my thing with the hunt that I like the most is just the fact this one more than anything else reminded me of like um oh for god's sake a, a larry cohen movie it <laughs> felt it felt very larry cohen-esque in that it had that mix of real horror almost absurdist humor quirky characters and then just a, a social commentary <laughs> and you don't really see too many movies these days that kind of balance that in a larry cohen-esque way at least successfully Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I had the same, I had the same sort of opinion on it. I, I thought it was sort of, if if Paul Verhoeven had directed The Purge, 
you would have you would have gotten the hunt sort of um and it's just it was it's the movie that i think i think we i don't know it's just when the, at a time when the world has fucking gone crazy and it's just really you kind of it, it just it just makes you feel like you're fucking insane it's just great to have something that kind of just it just it just gets right in there and it rolls up its sleeves and it and it just makes you it makes you laugh at it at the fucking cuz i i guess for me i'm i'm kind of an absurdist person anyway i i i i just like i that's how i that's how i absorb bad news and bad things like i just i i kind of just i tend to sort of find the darkly humorous aspect of it that's just how i how i deal with things so it's it's you know and um and so something like the hunt was like catnip to me because it's it's literally i mean it's it's literally like a it's it's 20 it's 2016's election in a in a movie in a splatter movie basically um and I just I watched that and I felt like for the first time, I, I just felt like a certain catharsis where I was just like, this is this is laying out just the the fucking absurd, insane world that we live in now. And and this is this is and and, and it's giving it that sort of just insane skewering that i feel like we need we need to be able to laugh at ourselves it's a little harder this week obviously with with all the shit going on but um but just in general i mean over the last four years of the world it's just made me feel like okay this is this is <laughs> i need this i needed this it made my soul feel better um i also just think betty gilpin really just is is i would love to see her reborn as an action star i think she has a <laughs> she has an amazing physical presence and and it's coupled with um i read the script too and the script was pretty pretty much exactly letter for letter what went on the screen but what didn't go on the screen, obviously, or what wasn't in the script, I should say, was Betty Gilpin. Like, her, and and it's just a great testament to what a, what a really good actor um, can bring to a role, you know, that that isn't necessarily written on the page because the main character didn't have that that aloofness that that she puts into the character where, you know, you have that, that really that Foy Foy, I talked about this with him the other day, but her line of you fucked up bitch is my, <laughs> my favorite delivery of all time. I just, I, I love that so much. I've got that GIF on my phone and I, and I, I am only going to tweet it out when it's, when it's absolutely, I want to preserve it. I don't want, I don't want it to get dulled like all the rest of the gifts. Yeah. Amy and I have talked about this. Like the thing that's so great about her performance is just, the way she plays it like someone who is like, I have been through a ton of shit in my life. I'm not talking about it. I'm not. Do it's like, I've seen some shit. I've been through some shit. And now all of a sudden I'm in the middle of this bullshit. <laughs> so on one side, I'm stuck with these lunatic right wingers who are all who I can't stand because they're not they're not nearly the badasses they think they are. They're complete <laughs> idiots. And then on the other side, there's these complete lunatic left-wingers who think they're the fucking heroes as well because they're getting revenge on all these people in the stupidest way possible to the point that they, <laughs> the, they, they themselves are becoming the very thing that they – I mean, everybody is just – it's like I'm just like I'm, I'm tired of all of you. I'm tired of all of your bullshit, and now you put me in the middle of it, and you know what? I'm just going to shoot you all in the fucking head. <laughs> like, I'm just going to shoot you. I'm getting out of here this alive. 
if you idiots want to stay alive with me, come on. If you people want to try to kill me, fuck you. <laughs> that's basically that's basically the whole movie in a nutshell. Is her performance. That's and, very, and, that's very well said. Yes. It, no, it, I I dug the hell out of the movie too. It's, uh, it, it's weird that it hit right when um right when the whole VOD thing was becoming an option because that was that was one of the movies that opened right after I stopped going to movie theaters. Uh yeah. like I, I think that and uh oh, Bloodshot hit theaters right around the same time and that was the that was the week where I was just kinda like Nope, I can't do it. I can't I, I can't go to my local theater and I want to so badly. And then, you know, two weeks later this and the Invisible Man were available for like twenty bucks a pop and I was like, you know what? I'll drop twenty bucks just to see a movie I wanted to see in the theater anyway and I, I was so happy I did because it is a really cathartic movie. It did. It, yes. I, I hear you. It made me feel better watching it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't make my top ten. Weirdly enough, I don't even. I don't know that I considered it for my horror list, but it is surely a horror movie. I just I don't know. It didn't immediately leap to mind. Otherwise, it might very well have made my top ten. Yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know. It's been a. It's become a class. I've watched it three times this year, which uh, again, uh, like not to repeat myself. I don't do that that much. I just don't have time to to rewatch stuff as much as I used to. Um, so when I'm rewatching stuff multiple times, like you know, you know, it's a special movie. Um, but it also just it yeah, it just it scratched my my sort of funny bone. Um, I, I understand you know where where some people some people feel like it doesn't bite hard enough. Some people feel like it should have picked a side. Um, I actually disagree with all of that. I think that it is, I think it, it, to Foy's point, I think that is, I think Betty Gilpin's performance is actually the point of the movie. Um, yeah, if, if it had picked a side, it would have, the movie would have had no point ultimately, I don't think. Right. Uh, right. It wouldn't have acted as the mirror that I think the movie ultimately kind of does. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yep. And, 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 and like Spree, um, I think it's, 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 it's a movie that feels like it's written by more, most importantly, um, because you have a lot of people who try and write about things, current events or things that happened online, um, where it's sort of like, have you ever gone online? Like, do you, do you, you know, do you, do you know, like, where, where do you, where do you go when you go online? Cause like, it's just, there's that, that lacking voice, but this really felt like it just had, it nailed every, every little character in the movie. Um, you know, it, I just felt like it really nailed them hard. Like, it's like, okay, like I, I've, I've seen these tweets. I've seen these people on message boards. Like this, this is really, Sadly, this these are these are Americans. This is America right now, and, and that's um, that's why I found the movie to be just just the the weirdly cathartic experience that it is because it had whoever who did was that didn't Damon Lindelof that wrote that? Uh, yeah, I think he was one of the co-writers on it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like it's like you know, it just felt like, and and that's of course, cause he got chased off Twitter by fucking psychopaths. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, if you think about it for a second, David Lindelof used to be like this punching bag and now he's totally redeemed himself. And then some, which is kind of amazing between that and Watchmen. Yeah. Well, which yeah. I have not watched yet, but I, I I'm eager to see that. Um, oh, Feeney. It's, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I, I, just, I just remember when Lindelof was just a punching bag because of how bad lost turned out. Don't get Paul started. I just I but, but but whether or not you you agreed or not, I mean like it's it's funny because and it's another you know and again like I, I'm a big proponent of people having moments of clarity and stuff and changing and and you know I, I I'm 
older and wiser myself. So not, not to, not to say that people can't, but I mean, it's just like the people that chased Damon Lindelof off of Twitter for writing an alien prequel. They didn't like and ending a television show that didn't end to their standards are the same people who want to lecture you, you know, in 2021. And it's just, it's like the irony. I can't, I can't, it's, it's too delicious. I can't eat it. All right. So that was the hunt. Um, Thumbs up, Paul. Have you seen the hunt? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Um, I mean, y'all spoke really well to it, so I won't add too much. But I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a really fun movie. I agree with everything that was said. Um, yeah, I, I had a really good time with it. So I know I saw some dissenting opinions, but I didn't really get why people felt that way. <laughs> I feel like anybody who had like beyond the movie's craft, if it speaks just to the message ultimately of the movie. Like, I, I, I gotta imagine any dissenting opinions have to come down on the side of, like, the movie didn't choose them, ultimately, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think it rubbed people the wrong way because it challenged their worldview. <laughs> and a lot of people, at least, you know, when I say dissenting opinions, too, I fully acknowledge that this is just stuff I'm seeing online. And that's, we've we've spoken a lot this episode to sort of the, the trouble with social media and how... um sometimes opinions get simplified and weaponized for one of two sides. Um, and yep. there's a, there's no room for nuance or gray area. Um, and so I think a movie like the hunt, which deals very much in a gray area, it's difficult for either side to sort of weaponize it and therefore nobody likes it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really engaging, really inventive. Um, yeah, I had a good time with it. Yeah. I, like I said, it was a hard year for me to make a list because I liked a lot of movies. Well, you know, to, to Foy's to Foy's earliest point too, just uh, the sub ninety minute movie when it's when it's or whoever said that, like when it's crisp and, and to the point, like it is. There's when it when it can get in and get out, and it's and it feels like okay, that was you know it said everything it needed to say. Like that is nice too. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that was one of the things I was about to say. Like, yeah, it's like it's only like eighty eight minutes, eighty five minutes, something like that. I mean, yeah. And also, it, it's the also the exact opposite of the thing I was complaining about, about these dreary slow burns. I mean, this thing gets off like it, it, it starts off like a shot, literally yeah. like a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps going and it like it it doesn't bore you with the backstory of all these characters. You figure that out as you go along. Yeah. All right. Who's uh, who's up? Who's next? I am. Ex- I am out of choices. I'm out of options. So I'm going to just listen to you guys. Uh, well, my number two was The Hunt, so... We're on number ones. All right, Foy. Uh, or is it Paul? Paul, what's your number one? Uh, sure. So this was one that um, Jinx and I actually argued about whether or not it should be allowed on a list, a horror list. I'm leaving. <laughs> so um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going against uh, Jinx's opinion. Um, no, just no, because... no, no. I, I, I never said you shouldn't mention that. <laughs> To be a, no, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm kidding around. Uh, so anyway, um, we've talked a lot in this episode. Well, actually that, that conversation right there talked about cathartic watches, things that sort of, um, brought emotions from this year to the forefront and let you sort of explore them. Um, funny enough, we also talked about the lack of teen movies, uh, that seem to be coming out these days, um, which, I am a huge teen movie fan. Some of my favorite movies from the 90s and early 2000s, admittedly because I was in high school, uh, are teen movies. And I have a, a, a you know special place in my heart for those things. 
so my number one of the year is spontaneous going uh, back oh, to dying to see it. Brian Duffield again. <laughs> um, yeah, so see, but I haven't got to it. what was that? Sorry, I missed it. Oh, I said that's one I've been wanting to see. I just haven't gotten around to it. Oh, okay. Okay. I won't, I won't spoil it or anything. Um, the basic core premise, and again, this is not a spoiler because it, it runs through the whole film, is it's a teen romance coming-of-age movie um, with the added sort of complication that kids in this high school are randomly exploding. Um, and nobody knows why. Uh, and when I say explode, I mean they kind of pop like a balloon, um, which is very bloody. <laughs> And very upsetting. Um, And it goes from there. And what I love about this film is it's very much in the vein of the great coming-of-age teenage romance movies. And In fact, it would really stand as one of those even without the exploding teenager premise. But adding that in allows for a sort of physical manifestation of the, you know, sees life by the, you know, by the collar and, you know, do what makes you happy, seek out what those who you love and use your time wisely. Um, That sort of urgency that is always prevalent in, in teen coming of age movies, Um, bringing mortality to the forefront, bringing that sort of uncertain future. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm supposed to be. Um, and really exploring it in a visceral way. Um, you know, as I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Jinx and I have had conversations around, oh, does this belong on a horror list? And at the end of the day, you know, lists are subjective, right, to each, each of us. And I think, for me, the reason it shows up uh, at the top of my quote-unquote horror list is there, there's nothing more terrifying than someone truly facing, especially someone young, um, the fact that at any given moment, that life that they're experiencing could just stop. Um, And I think that's especially relative this year uh, with everything that's been going on. And this film, in a lot of ways, with comedy and, and humor, but also deeply relatable human drama explores those emotions um, and culminates in a a thematic message that is oddly uplifting given sort of the context of the film and and what they're exploring. And I walked away from that movie feeling really sort of pumped. Um, And I think that's kind of the best uh, compliment I can give it again, given what it's sort of trying to explore. So I really love this film. I've watched it, you know, Matt, you talked about how, you know, you don't have a lot of time to watch movies. So when you watch something more than once in a given year, that's usually a good sign. I think I've seen spontaneous about three times. Um, Part of it was to show my wife after I watched it. And then just, I wanted to watch it again, but it's, it's one I keep going back to. And one that, that has been prevalent in my mind since I've watched it. And yeah, it's just, the top of my list for me. I've heard great things from other friends of mine too, that have said that it's great. So I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to watch that soon. Awesome. Yeah. Boy, did you see it? 
Oh, boy's gone. And don't let Jinx scare you away. Jinx got mad at me when I put revenge at the top of my list. So. <laughs> no, I don't care. I said before I wanted to see it. Okay, sorry. Um, no, I, I mean, you know, I, I was giving Paul hell, but also I had to remind him that this is a podcast that once had on the creator of Friday the 13th and the horror movie he chose to discuss was Raising Arizona. Um, so there's you know there's there's, there's room in there i you know we don't Fair think labeling that serious true story there was a, one night i almost rented spontaneous off of vod but instead for whatever stupid reason i rented breach the uh the bruce willis on a space a spaceship oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> bring the gif the uh you fucked up bitch gif like, <laughs> it's time to drop it right now <laughs> I'll just say real quick about that movie. If you ever needed any convincing that Bruce Willis is completely over being an action star, there's a scene where these like space zombies that are spewing black goo from their mouth are charging at people, <laughs> Resident Evil style. They're jumping on people. There's soldiers shooting at them. And Bruce Willis is literally standing in the middle of the scene just looking around like, whoa, what's going on? But, <laughs> He 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 goes at he gets grabbed by a zombie at one point and just stands there motionless until someone shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> he he points and aims a gun and that's it. He, I mean, it's just like this guy don't care. And and the only person in the movie who cared even less was um oh god why am I forgetting his name? He played the Punisher in the first uh, not Dolph Lundgren. Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane, yes. Tom, it's weird. Bruce Willis actually has a bigger role in the movie than Thomas Jane, but Thomas Jane puts even the more "I'm just here for the paycheck" performance. <laughs> he, his character literally commits suicide at one point, and the acting is—it it just screams it like "I'm done. I'm out of here. Bye." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he just blow himself up, and he's like, "Hey, you, take care of my daughter." Boom, I'm dead. Meanwhile, Bruce Willis just walks around playing a he's he's method acting as an extremely cranky old man who just wants to do his job, drink and go home. <laughs> Gee, I'm gonna fucking rent that tonight. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand when it comes to those guys. I, I know we're near the end. I, I, I know we can all see the light at the end of the tunnel that is going to be a three hour podcast at the very least. But I just want to say what is it with guys like Bruce Willis and even even I guess as as you say here like Thomas Jane where you know I I I, I don't know why they've just seemed to have given up like especially Willis when's the last time he tried well, that you well, guys I, can remember I think it's kind of well known at this point that Bruce Willis is just like I'm just here to get a paycheck bye yeah, you know what, why? I, that's why, why I love uh, that's why I love my man Stallone he doesn't phone it in. No, Stallone always gives a shit. Yeah, he's 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 my boy. Like he just even he's, if it's not good, he's at least trying. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always good fun to watch. And I mean, yeah, watch any of the Expendables movies when they share a scene together. There's there's one dude who showed up. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Actually, uh, in in Breach, at some points, Bruce Willis practically zooms his performance in because he just his head just starts appearing as a hologram for part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Um all right, are we are we are we on to my number one? Yes. Okay, so. so I I gave Paul a little bit of hell for his choice. Uh 
you know, maybe not being so much horror with capital H for his top 10 horror list. And then at one point I gave Feeney a little bit of hell for revenge for maybe possibly not being that much of a horror film. Anyway, my number one is The Devil All the Time, which is a uh, a Netflix kind of Appalachian noir crime family drama. Are you guys familiar with this? Oh, one? I've I've heard about this. Yeah, I haven't seen it, obviously, but um, interested. Okay, yeah, so you guys can, once you see it, you can give me all the hell you care to, because I will have deserved it, because this is not necessarily a, a again, horror with capital H, but, I, my God, it knocked me on my ass. I, I love this movie, I adore it. It's my favorite horror movie of the year, it's my favorite movie of the year, period. Uh, it's just this big, again, sprawling Appalachian noir, it, it juggles so many different subplots and timelines, it, it's a... It's a crime film, surely. You know, it's a family drama. It's a revenge tale. It's a coming-of-age story. But yes, damn it, like four stretches, it is a straight-up horror film at times, too. And just watching the movie is one hell of a trip, or, uh, well, a trip through hell. Holy shit, somebody's pounding their keyboard. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's just, it's easily the most oh, embarrassing that, 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 that is irony, because that's usually the thing he complains to me about. What's that? Oh, Feeney, in the past, he's always complained I'd, I'd be typing. He could hear because, that because I did it once in three and a half hours, not every time I'm not talking. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I, I'll, I'll wrap this up. I think we're all getting loopy. Uh, it's easily the most engrossing movie I saw last year. It's from the filmmaker, uh, is it Antonio Campos, I think, who did uh, Christine? Uh, which was from a few years ago and was also kind of like a really heavy, really dark, but really brilliant movie. Um, I just, yeah, it, this, is a, a, this is with Tom Holland, right? Yeah, Tom Holland, uh, Robert Pattinson's in it. It's based yes. on the novel by Donald Bray Pollock. Weirdly enough, uh, I was born and raised in a small town about 45 minutes south of where this story takes place, a little place called Knockamstiff, Ohio. And it's just... It, it 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 takes place in some of those like hollows and hills like you you know to avoid uh, mm-hmm. if you're driving around that kind of country. It's a different time, but um, yeah, it, it's funny too that I saw a lot of people taking the task, uh, taking Holland the task and Pattinson the task for their accents, and that that only tells me that people know that sort of Appalachian accent from the movies and not necessarily real life because they they. Both guys, Holland definitely sounds like you know a, a certain type of guy from that area. So whatever research he did, he sort of nailed it. I remember people giving Pattinson hell for his kind of crazy cracker accent that he pulls. But it's like if you have stopped at any backwoods gas station in Tennessee, you have heard that fucking accent. So I don't know what their problem was with with either performance there. But uh, but yeah, no, it's just it's a fantastic movie. Like I said, it's based on a Pollock novel. I don't know. Is anybody here familiar with his writing? Um, I'm not, no. So he was uh, a fantastic story. He was a guy who basically drove a a delivery truck for a paper mill in uh, Ohio until about the time that he was 50 and decided that he wanted to be a writer. So he went to Ohio State University. He took uh, classes. He wound up writing these short stories that wound up being quite acclaimed. There was a compilation of them called Knock'em Stiff, which is one of the best fucking compilations of like rural noir that I've read. Uh, it's right up there with like Frank Bill's Crimes in Southern Indiana. It's just fucking superb. Um, weirdly enough, I have not read the novel that this movie is based on, but um, yeah, no, it's just it's it's a really really great story that feels uh, weirdly like intimate at times, but also kind of like an epic too. 
Uh, and I love how it kind of straddles that line while also telling a story in, you know, part of the country that rarely gets a light shown on it. So, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe it hit me harder for that, but, uh, I, I just loved it. I will say by the time you get to the final 20 minutes of the movie, they're among the most intense I've seen in fucking years. So, uh, I'm intrigued. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. I adore it. It is my favorite movie of the year. So if you guys get the chance, please check it out. I will. I shall indeed. All right. Feeney, you were out at the hunt, right? Foy, do you have anything? Oh, yes. I have the number one, my number one pick for the best horror movie of 2020. All right. Hit us. That's right. And it is the last 25 minutes of Aqua Slash. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) You you, you may not be familiar with this. If you are, everyone should be. It, it, it is an amazing movie. It all, first of all, we talk about brevity. It only clocks in at 72 minutes. <laughs> Perfect that, that, time. About, about the first 50 of those minutes are, are, are almost a waste of time, but it's okay. So it, it basically, it's a slasher movie at a, at, a, uh, at a water park. But not the usual, like, oh, there's somebody running around killing people with a knife. Although that happens in the opening flashback that I'm still not sure what it had to do with the rest of the movie, but they keep referencing it for some reason, so it must have meant something. So anyway, I'll just, I'll just lay it out for you. So it's a bunch of high school kids, and they're going to the water park for graduation, and apparently at this school, everybody is on cocaine. And they are also all cheating on each other. There's hardly anybody in this movie who actually has a relationship where they're not cheating on it with somebody else. The, the cokehead... <laughs> She's, she's sleeping with the owner of the water park. Don't ask me why. The, uh, the the wife of the owner of the water park, she apparently takes a student every year and has an affair with him. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, the nice virginal girl is actually sleeping with the head of the, the, the lead singer of the rock band. And the boyfriend who works at the park, who's really mad that when he finds out she's cheating on him, is supposed to be a red herring to make you think that he might be the killer except they keep making it clear he's not the killer because he's the only one running around going, hey, something weird's going on here. Um, there's, like, there's, like, there's like six different red herrings that they set up in the first 50 minutes, and I don't understand why, because, well, one, they kill off three of them, so you know that they're not the killer. And, and then also, the person you, you know who the killer's going to be because it's the only person they keep cutting to who's constantly making weird, shifty eyes. It's like that Simpsons episode where, like, you know that dog is evil because it's making shifty eyes. Well, you know this one character must be the killer because they're always making weird faces at the most inappropriate time. So you're just kind of like, okay, but why are they going to be the killer? Also, there's almost no killing for the first hour except for, like, three random people who just get, like, stabbed or something. But that's but that's not that's not why you're here. See, the important thing is they're all getting together for the big race, where teams of three go down the water slides, and they and they make such a big man. This thing is a huge deal. I don't know why, but they're really really excited about this big race. But what they don't know is that the killer, who is the shifty eyed person, who obviously is the killer, you just don't know why, has actually rigged the slide by putting these cross-sectional, like, diagonal, uh, crisscrossing blades in one of the slides so that when you slide down and hit this thing, you're going to get aqua-slashed. Obviously. 
But now here's what happened. The first group that goes down this particular slide for the race, they hit the thing and immediately mannequin body parts come flying at the screen. And then like blood <laughs> and body parts spew down into the pool below and everybody's like, what's going on? But the thing is, by this point, there's now, and then the whole thing is you would think to yourself like, well, obviously once one group of people have gone down and hit this thing, that's it. I mean, who else is gonna be stupid enough to go down there? Oh no, they have to keep figuring out ways to make other people go down the slide. So people just keep getting thrown down the slide for no reason. What, or going down the slide because the guy at the bottom of the, uh, the, uh, the pool who has the radio to tell everybody, hey, um, something bad's happening down here. He passed out from the sight of blood and broke his leg, so he can't help them. So they all just keep going down. You, you don't understand <laughs> the, the amount of blood that is pouring out. It's like three or four people. The, the, the elevator from The Shining let, gave off less blood. It is a torrent of blood. And for some reason, <laughs> one guy in the pool who sees that something bad has happened decides I'm going to go climb up into this thing. And for 10 straight minutes, he's just slipping on this slide, trying to crawl up into it. Who knows what he thinks he's doing. And all he just keeps getting, do do he just keeps getting rained with blood and pelted with body parts. And, and, and another girl who's witnessing all of this is just standing there in the pool, constantly like looking terrified, screaming and frozen in place for 10 straight minutes while people keep going down the fucking slide and getting slashed up even more. It's the most amazingly glorious thing I've ever seen. It's just, it's just it's wonderful. It's everything that should be a horror movie. It's just in, just, just horrid, like a billion gallons of blood and body parts. And people just keep, oh, well, I fainted and I fell into the pool. Oh, well, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I don't need any of you. I'm going down head first. There's one guy who's going down the slide who doesn't even know that anything's happening. And all of a sudden they cut to him and he's desperately clinging for life, trying to keep from going down there. <laughs> How did you know? And then he just says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to die and the rest of you can go fuck yourself. This, this movie was clearly cocaine was also what the people making the movie were on. And then at the end of the movie, they tell they, they give you a little flashback to show you who the killer is. And you're like, yeah, it's exactly who we thought it was. And even though they've shown us the flashback to explain why this person did it, it still makes no sense why they did it. And then the movie's over and it was 72 minutes and it was great. All right, Feeney, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be watching Smiley Face Killers tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I may be watching this instead. Um, yeah, because, yeah because we've been on the phone for three and a half hours. You know, we're at three hours and 11 minutes recording-wise. Uh, oh, no, we're at 3.19 total call time. Wow. Well, that was the last number one, yes? Unless, Paul, have you seen... Uh, uh, you know what? I'm just going to take a guess. I'm guessing Paul has not seen Aquaslash. <laughs> I have not seen Aquaslash, so it's going to be added to my list. <laughs> Nor have I. Feeney? Feeney, have you seen Aquaslash? I have not. Is this it? Are we done? I've, I've heard have it's very good. good. Uh, you know what? I'll just say it again. Just... If you rent the movie, just skip to about the 45-minute mark and watch from there. <laughs> it's it really Will fun. do. <laughs> you guys are right. I mean, there is something to be said for shorter movies. I mean, I remember being overjoyed at seeing that uh, the movie that everybody was talking about at the beginning of Summer Host was like 58 minutes, and I was just like, fucking A. Like, that's that's a movie length right there. So You, you want to know another weird thing about Aquaslash? It's a Canadian movie, but they shot it in the U.S., but nobody's hiding their Canadian accents. 
That, that's another great thing about Aqua Slash. How did you find? How do you? You know what? That's a dumb question. Never mind. That's. I feel like you're, it's it's your job to find movies like that and either get us excited about them or warn us away from them. Okay, okay you want real quick, real quick, since we've already gone sixteen hours. Let's talk about real quick the worst movie of twenty twenty. I, and I don't just mean horror. I mean any genre. I mean maybe any movie of the past 20 years. Boy, no. No worst of lists. No. Under, under control. The Wait, unofficial. The unofficial. Under control. C-O-N-T-O. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the unofficial sequel to Troll 2, where someone said to themselves, yeah, let's make an intentionally bad sequel to Troll 2 that's actually worse than Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> And it has the worst dub job, English dub job, you will ever hear in your life. It, the movie is actual agony to sit through. It's not even fun bad. I didn't even know this existed. And, and I wish I didn't either, but I did. <laughs> Does it involve anybody from, uh, from Troll 2? Yes, yes. There's uh, two actors from Troll 2 that make a cameo up here. It's also a German movie, and it's dubbed in English. You know, wouldn't bad dubbing kind of come part and parcel with the Troll sequel at this point? Yeah, but I mean, when you have dubbing that's worse than the little kid from Godzilla vs. Megalon. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, the, the, the problem with the dub job, remember the thing I said earlier about like the actors who know they're in a horror comedy who are like always swinging for the fences? That's what every single person who did the dubbing for this movie did for every single character, for every single line, regardless of whether or not they were actually saying or doing anything that was meant to be funny. I'm I'm not gonna watch this. No, no. I'm not I'm not gonna hop off here and look it up and then maybe yeah. rent it. I'm not gonna do it. Under I hate control. It. I might do it. Shit. Damn it, Foy! That is that is the curse of you, Foy, is to take the worst movies and make them sound appealing in their own way. How do you do that? Do you practice it? I don't know. Apparently, I do that. Yeah, but here's the thing: a lot of times, the movies I describe to you that I describe as being so enjoyably bad turn out to be enjoyably bad. Unfortunately, sometimes I just have this bad habit. Look, I used to for years. This is how I used to write my reviews, and I would always hear from people like, "Oh, I had to see this movie after you after you." Uh, after I read your review, and it's like, it was every bit as bad as you said it was. And I'm like, yes, because I said it was bad. I didn't even say it was fun bad. <laughs> There's a reason why I gave that movie like the lowest possible rating. It wasn't because it was like enjoyably bad. You want to talk about enjoyably bad real quick? Here's a, here's a one-sentence preview of next year's show. So anyway, did you guys see that movie, uh, the World War II movie, where Chloe Grace Moretz shoots down <laughs> Japanese fighters? Uh, I don't... Fist fights a, a gremlin. And I don't want it. any spoilers. I don't want any spoilers at all. <laughs> I don't right? I I don't want to know. I'm gonna watch it. Twitter told me I wasn't supposed to watch it, so I'll probably be seeing it this weekend. <laughs> you, know what? You, know what? Look, you know what, guys? We've already gone three hours. Why don't we go ahead and talk about the Stone Man? Let's get this over with. Oh, Stone Man! I'm excited about this Thank as you, a listener. Have a great. Night. <laughs> As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comments section below, yell at us on Facebook and Twitter, that is at Scream Addicts, and I'm at Jinx1981. Guys, where can everybody find you at? Twitter, Matt Feeney. <laughs> Boy, how about you? You know, I could have died from COVID, and we still haven't done the Stone Man show. Imagine if we deprived people of that. All right, you know, I, I, we, I, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
Fuck, I'm going to regret this. We made it through 2020. You got COVID. When the hell do you want to record the damn Stone Man episode? Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> that was it. That was your one chance. Do you know how pissed off that one guy is going to be on Twitter when he hears it? What is his name? Hey, uh, Acid Greg. Hypnosis. His, his name is Greg. Isn't Greg it Greg? DH, right? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, Greg is going to be pissed. This is this is your chance. I, I will commit to doing Stone Man with you. He he never right, came. But you know, we don't have to lock in a date now. This the, the date for this show changed sixty six times. We can change we we can commit. We can commit and figure it out later. All right. Wait, is everybody gonna be on the Stone Man episode? What what's what's going on here? What's I've wa- I've watched the Stone Man. I am gonna be on the Stone Man episode. Oh god. All right. Yeah. Oh shit, I'll have to watch it again too, won't I? Yes, you will. Well, let's let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it as a commentary. This is history in the making. I'm going to watch uh, it again. By the way, for the record, I reached out to both uh, Dennis Haskins and Chris, Christopher Atkins on social media to try asking them about the Stone Man and was completely ignored for some strange reason. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably will not be on the show. Um, but yeah, no, okay, sure, why not? It'll be, it'll be fun. I, I have another drinking podcast. There's no reason I can't. Can't do that too, because I'm going to be drinking through it. I got to tell you, that's that's the only way to get through that thing. Uh, Paul, have you seen Stone Man? I've not seen Stone Man, but I, as a as a listener uh, to your guys' past conversations, it's very exciting to hear that this is finally happening, and I will definitely check it out so I can you know appreciate the discussion. Oh God! <laughs> as a, as a teaser, I am just going to say to set this up. That it is impossible to dislike a movie where Magnum P.I.'s Larry Minetti appears as a detective for two-thirds of the movie and then just disappears without a trace. <laughs> Respectfully disagree. That, that sounds like a blast to me. I don't know. And, and his biggest line in the movie is, what do I know about, I'm from New York, what do I know about zombies? <laughs> Paul, to tell you what you're getting into, there is an uh, action sequence where the Stone Man character has like what? What is it? Like is it like some sort of primitive axe or? Uh, uh, He's got a stone, a, a stone axe. Okay, so well, that makes sense. Uh, so, Paul, he's got a stone axe, right? And there's a scene where yeah. he raises the axe and he brings it down on an unsuspecting victim, right? Now. Yeah. You, they, they, they wanted to really bring out that moment so they have it play out in slow motion, but they didn't shoot it in slow motion. They just had him swing it in slow motion, and you can tell it. It is. It boggles the mind. The it is That's incredible level. That, that sounds kind of brilliant. I don't know. I mean, am I off base? I. I that sounds kind of great. To me, to me, the defining scene in that movie that makes me that I always watch and wonder, like, was this done on purpose <laughs> as a joke, or was this grand incompetence? Maybe when Pat, Pat Morita, who plays <laughs> Professor Stevens, is talking to Christopher Atkins, and they're going over the map of the city to, to map the Stone Man attacks, and uh, Robin Riker from Alligator is like she's sitting there because she's got a head injury. And they just move over, and they have their back. To the, they move off to the side, and they go yeah. up, and they're looking at this map. And then all of a sudden, Robin Riker's character just gets up, moves over, sits in the chair in front of them to get back in the shot, and goes right back in the same position, nursing her head as if like she was supposed to be the whole time. And they put it in the movie. 
<laughs> you know, it, it, the Stone Man is the reason that I refuse to check out movies like Veronica when they're described by 99.9% of people as being unwatchable. And then mm. there's like that other little subgroup that's like, it's brilliant outsider art. Right. And I'm just like, nope, 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 that's Foy writing that review under a pseudonym. That's that's what that is. I know what? that's Foy. No, I, I said I, I, I like Veronica. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? He no. said it was art. <laughs> you got us backwards on that one. No, no, Feeney, you didn't say it was art. <laughs> I, I really liked it. Sh- okay, sell me on watching Veronica. Can you do that quickly? I don't, I don't think so. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's, I don't think I can do that. I don't have those powers. <laughs> All right. I, I, I will watch Smiley Face Killers, though. Veronica, that's a harder sell. Yeah. All right, guys. I, I think we're uh we're about to the end of this. I somehow committed to the Stone Man after four years. Uh, that's I I didn't take one drink this whole episode. Now I'm going to do nothing but for the rest of the night. Uh, boy, where can folks find you at online? I guess Twitter. I don't know. I got on. How do we not? You know what? In three or four years of doing this show, you guys always, always. I I, I think intentionally, like obfuscate, like how people can find you on Twitter. You can just say decline. You don't have to give your handle. Look up at Foy Wonder on Twitter. Okay. (laughs) Paul, you want to give your incredibly modest Twitter handle for folks to find you at? Uh, Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at PaulIsGreat2000, which is a handle I made years ago as a joke, not thinking I would be saddled with it forever on Twitter. (laughs) All right, guys, as always, this has been a blast. Thank you very much for coming back. Uh, hopefully we can do this sooner. Well, the Snowman episode kind of locks us in before next year's annual top 10 or whatever it's going to wind up being. But we ought to do this more often because I miss chatting with you guys. And, Paul, thank you very much for sitting Likewise. in, too. You, you are welcome to come on and uh, give me hell during the Snowman chat, too. <laughs> uh, well, I, I appreciate you guys letting me uh, join in the chat. It was really fun. It was. It was great. All right, guys, here's to getting through 2021, much like we did 2020. Folks out there, listeners, thank you so much. As always, have a great weekend. And uh, you know what? I did it all backwards. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm just going to ask Seth. Seth, if you're out there, you can cut whenever, man. Just chop me up. Cigarettes in Arkansas only cost six bucks. You fucked up, bitch.